0: Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. The podcast, it's kind of like a bad rash. We come back every week, no matter how hard you try to stop us. Join our supporters by heading over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. You can find us on every single social media outlet in the entire universe, even ones that haven't been invented yet. And now, let's talk about all things two-wheeled, except for bicycles and trikes. Well, let's talk about them, too. December 20th, 2019. 47-year-old F.F. Woody Cooks sits in his beaten-down sedan on the side of the 210 freeway in Southern California. Just outside of Los Angeles, Woody looks down at his phone, his hirsute brow covered in sweat. He's got a phone call from one of his shareholders at the network. He's not taking it. And after a second refusal to pick up, a text comes across. Yep, it's his co-foundler, Bentley Darks. And what Bentley has to say has FF troubled in a serious way. He pulls over to the side of the freeway and wipes the precipitous secretions from his forehead. And replies, two words, it's them. He quickly hammers out another missive as another one of Bentley's texts comes across. I think we, I think they've done it this time. I think this is real. And FF replies again in a terse, laconic manner. We'll get them. We'll stop them. I'm on my way. From the seat of his beaten down and dusty sedan. What FF Woody Cooks doesn't know is that his actions are about to send ripples across the Moto One Podcast Network's small little world, and the people that he takes down in his wake are going to be out of business for about a week at minimum. This is the story of Moto One Podcast Network and the Pickle World. F.F. Woody Cooks was no stranger to danger, especially when it came to the food cartels that ran Boston. The 47-year-old Boston native was looking for a brighter future when he decided to move to Los Angeles and pursue a different sort of thrill. Once he moved out here, the former ice cream precinct manager thought he would get into podcasting. L.A. is rife with studios. You can't throw a nickel down the street without hitting four people who have their own podcast to begin with. And amongst the towers and tall buildings, there were several pre-existing podcast networks established in Tinseltown. F.F. thought he'd take his chances, and that's where he meant Bentley Darks. Darks was also a sound audio engineer for one of the local studios in Los Angeles, and when he teamed up with F.F. They thought they had the world around their finger. The world was their oyster. The world was the silver lining, and they are cloud nine. And baby, they were riding cloud nine all the way to the bank. That's when a ghost from FF's past visited him. In the middle of the night, unexpectedly, one of the ice cream cartels showed up in Los Angeles, establishing some new turf, and FF wasn't having it. I'm out of the game, he said, but they didn't want to hear anything about it. Joe Taglioni, who was the head of Boston's ice cream cartel, uh, gave FF a chance to get off the hook with some previously owed debts. As FF Woody Cooks soon found out, podcasting isn't the million dollar business everyone thinks it is. In fact, it cost him a lot of money, a lot of his former ice cream money, to get his feet in the out of the wet cement planted firmly on terra firma here in the land of sunshine but the ice cream cartel in boston is where his startup money came from and now it was time to pay up what the ice cream cartel didn't know is that ff had a new soldier on his side and that woman just like joan of arc was named mama clobman Yes, Klobman Pickles had invested heavily in F.F. Woody Cook's startup business, Moto One, the podcast network that would soon have three or four shows, most of them fading away quickly, but two that stood out. The Nokomoto podcast out of one of the sister stations in Colorado and the creative writing podcast, which was barely scraping by in the uh, suburbs of Pasadena. Welp, FF, Bell had told, and now the harbinger of doom was knocking at his door, asking for the money that the ice cream cartels had lent FF. FF, what are we going to do? We owe him at least $100,000. We set up repeaters, we set up a studio, we got all this recording equipment, and we only have one crummy podcast. I know, Brent, I know. Here's what we're going to do. We're gonna get a, cl- a pickle sponsor. I know several pickles. I mean, Claussen's out. Uh, uh, Olive Hill—they don't want to talk to us. Uh, uh, who's left? It's got to be Clobman. We'll get Clobman to come in and sponsor the show. Motorcyclists love Clobman. It's a sure thing. It's got to be a sure thing. Maybe they can get the ice cream cartels off our back. Woody, do you think that's smart? Woody has been uh, called him knew that it was not a smart move to play around with ice cream cartels. They have deep, deep freezers, deep, deep pockets, and deep, deep secrets. And that day that Bent reached out to Woody as he sat on the side of the 210 freeway was a day of reckoning. FF Woody Cooks decided to sick Mama Klobman on the ice cream cartels, But it wasn't just a one-sided attack. For a long time, he'd been treating the folks over at the creative writing podcast like total peons. He moved them around. He shuffled them here and there in between spare office buildings and broom closets to record their show. He even made them podcast outside behind the dumpster for about three months in April when it was really, really hot in SoCal. The host, Junkie Turdman, who was also the producer, was just about fed up. He hated subjecting his co-host to that type of treatment, and every week he had a new explanation. But it had finally come to a head. And right around the third week of January, 2020, he'd had enough, and so had the ice cream cartels. They came knocking on Turdman's front door. Who are you? said Junkie. Ah, uh, let's just say we're a friend from the East Coast," said one of the henchmen sent specifically from Montoya's Ice Cream Precinct there in Boston. I've got enough of you not going to be able to refuse. I know you hate podcasting in these broom closets out behind dumpsters. Hell, you even had a podcast in your car two times. They've been scaling back the money they pay you, which is already nothing you've been paying them. And not only that, they've been giving you shoddy equipment. I have a deal we'd like to make with you, but it will require your full cooperation. Yeah, I'm dumb. I'll do anything you want, said Junkie. And from that day forward, he sealed his fate. FF! Oh my god, FF, they've been contacting me all day. Who? Who's been contacting you? Those oafs over at Creative Writing. Brent Dirks was in a panic. The idiots at creative writing had been podcasting and talking, smearing his name all over the potosphere. Although the show only had about seven listeners, that was enough for defame Dirk, and he couldn't take it. And not only that, when he heard Junkie mention the ice cream cartels, his blood ran as cold as the velvet chocolate ice cream that they slung out of those neighborhoods in Boston. Junkie, he's duck. That idiot's been talking all over the ice cream cartel. They know we're here. They know we're here. There's no way they know we're here. I mean, you told me they knew you're... That you moved to L.A. I mean, they followed you out here. How hard is it to find a guy named F.F. Woody Cooks, for fuck's sake? Listen. Listen. Klobman's gonna come in. She's gonna take care of everything. She's gonna help us. But what F.F. didn't know was that Mama's Klobman also had a secret. She had pickled flavored ice cream and in the wake of what was about to happen they were about to put the nokomoto boys out of commission for a least. i'll tell you what we, we owe him some big money i i ff was obviously in a panic as was bent dirks When Mama Klodman had contacted the idiots over at the Creative Riding Motorcycle podcast, she offered them a generous sum to submarine the Nokomoto podcast, at least in January, at least one week. That's all it would take to get FF to cough up the money he owed the ice cream cartels. What he didn't know was that they were holding her pickle sauce that she used to submit to them for her special pickled flavored ice cream for ransom. Much like some world leaders may hold foreign aid to investigate other world leaders. What she didn't know is that they were about to do a triangle of hooptiha ha that was going to put Moto One podcast networks in the mainstream news. Ford dead as pickle truck slams into ice cream factory in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, a mysterious occurrence happened today on Flout Street as a a uh, pickle truck slammed dead on into the ice cream factory there, and everything exploded. Did you know non-dairy creamer is extremely explosive? Well, couple that with pickle brine, it's almost like napalm, and put some of the ingredients like rock salt and everything else that they put in ice cream, and then it's a deadly combination. How could this have happened? They usually keep pickle plants and ice cream plants miles from each other, but somehow on this fateful day, uh, it appears that it, the driver just lost control. What the public didn't know is that nobody had lost control. In fact, Mama Klobman had souped up her pickle truck with extra Klobman pickle brine. It's a trick that a lot of racers use in motorcycles to make bikes go much, much faster than stock or the Department of Transportation would ever allow. Her pickle truck slammed so hard into the side of Ilio's Ice Cream Factory and Cinnabon factory that the impending explosion blew half a Terre Haute off the map. FF Woody Cooks, mission accomplished, did not owe the ice cream cartel any money. Mama Klobman, however, had made a deal with the devil when she told creative writing to sabotage the Nokomoto podcast to hurt FF Woody Cooks. The resulting audio is some of that uh, fateful day when Nokomoto decided to make good on their end of the deal to go on as the regularly scheduled host with creative writing. And creative writing's dubious, dubious. You can almost hear the stupidity in the host's voice as they try to lure the Nokomoto team into a trap. Let's take a listen to some of that audio right now. And I'm so recording. we need to think what we need to do to sync this up. We need a sync point. Yeah. Uh if if you're hearing me, let's do this. Ready? We'll do 3 t I'll I'll do the, the slate clap three times and then we'll wait like ten seconds. How's that? Ready? Okay. Am I am I coming in on your VU? <laughs> Ready? Hang on. What MotoGP didn't know is that he wasn't coming in on anybody's VU. Junkie had rigged the system so that they could take the audio from the Nokomoto side there in Greeley, Colorado, ship it through NORAD, have it transported to California, where they could then send it off to one of the multiple audio studios here in Southern California and have it destroyed. They would degrade the Nokomoto signal so badly, the Nokomoto wouldn't be able to put a show out the following Monday, which is their normal scheduled appearance. At Nokomoto headquarters, nobody had any idea that this dubious plan was taking shape. In fact, they were oblivious to the whole plan. But at Creative Writing headquarters, in their stuffy garage in Southern California, rat-infested and putrid. The host had a evil smile on his face. The other co-host couldn't comprehend it. The Harry Hoosier, Wiggins, the one they used to call Hooligan Jesus, he was an unintentional Judas in this episode. What also the Moto One crew didn't know is that, uh, along with degrading the audio and sabotaging the whole podcast, Klobman had thrown in an extra couple bucks to torture the Nokomoto boys. Here's some footage of them being tortured with some terrible, terrible jokes. Like, these are worse than dad jokes. The the rear straps broke, and the front stayed up and the back fell down. gushed out water. And the water poured out of the exhaust, (laughs) and they got caught that way. You know what they used to do back in the day was put um, leaded gas in, because, you know, lead weighs a lot. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Okay. So I- after hearing this audio, even several of the people behind the plot vomited and retched at that joke. It went on and on for about three hours. The Nokomoto team had no idea. And the creative writing team, at least half of them, had no idea either. But one dubious fellow, Junkie Turdman, Knew all along that the big payoff was coming from Mama Klobman and kept going right along with the scheme that would sabotage this week's Nokomoto podcast. So yeah, next time you're out there and the podcast doesn't come across the airwaves, think about it. Podcasters love to talk about themselves. They love to talk about the things that they get paid to talk about or don't get paid to talk about or they're passionate about. There's no way they wouldn't put a podcast out if they didn't have to or if they didn't know what hit them. All right, I'm Jens Bauer, and this has been No the Klobman Pickle Escape, a Wanderer podcast from Flow Flow Network here in Flamford-Stankin, Nebraska. I'm Jensen Plowby. Until next time. Motorcycle, motorcycle. Let's roll the script before it gets too long in the middle of the night, and then we're Let's still recording. Let's roll required. this hot yeah. dog stand. We are in rolling this hot dog stand. Are we? Yeah, down the street. Welcome everybody. This is uh, creative writing episode number. I totally Whoops. lost track. I'm it's sorry, Two hundred and something. Yeah, we <laughs> still we got a hoe in the we got a hoe in the studio, and I I smacked her. Oh, oh man. Sorry, Beastie Boys. Um. Sorry for smacking Stella in the face, too. She's all right. You don't deserve it. She likes to put her nose... Where it don't belong. Yeah. Get out of my business, lady. Hey, my nose is
1: cold. Do you want it on your face? Yeah, Do you want hey. it on your hand? <laughs> I, if you if you need reminding, you were petting me and then oh. stop. So let me just poke you with my nose real
0: quick. The best part's when you're working under the sink and your dog comes up and sticks <laughs> her nose and, and your plumber's crack. I, I think it should be a mandate that if you're working... Under the house or under the sink or anywhere like that, you you should have even if your pants fit, you should have to like pull them, yeah, pull down, them down a little just bit. A little bit. Um, so, hey everybody, this is episode two hundred and eight. It seems like just uh, eight weeks ago we were talking about. Hey, it's episode two hundred. Oh, what do you know? We were. I
1: know it's kind of crazy. It,
0: time flies, um, and I think we've had a couple episodes in between. I had a junk pile, and and. I don't know. Maybe we missed a week. I can't remember. It's, it's, all, it's all been a flash. I'm sure we're on really on episode 215. But uh, yeah, this is officially 208. Welcome, everybody. It's a wonderful... Um, well, I would say it's wonderful, only I'm not 100% sure what the weather's like today, <laughs> being that we're recording a couple days before this actually airs. Uh, the weather the past couple days has been crappy, I have to say.
1: It's been chilly. I don't know if it's <laughs> been crappy, but it's been chilly for sure. Oh,
0: yeah, there you go. It hasn't been rainy and it hasn't been overcast. So at least it hasn't been crappy in that it's way, been but it's pretty
1: windy though. Too.
0: Dude. Yeah. So I went to um I went to drop off rent on Monday and uh you know, I was only 5 days late with rent. They shouldn't complain too bad. But uh I'm riding him and There was so much debris on the street. I was like, if I was in my car, I would have to run over something because my car can't fit past all of it. So luckily (laughs) I was on my bike and I was like slaloming all the down trees and uh, branches and leaves. And then when I was riding on the freeway, I was like, what the heck? Uh, So much... um, you know, so many pine needles and whatever these like pepper trees or whatever the hell's planted along the freeways up here. This heaps of it. It was like a three foot, you know how like in Wisconsin or like, um, they get snow. Drifts. Yeah. You get like the, we got the, got the plows. Yeah. Drifts. The plows make like these snow banks. We got like, <laughs> I was like, if you were to eat it on the highway, just on your bike, aim for that because it's three feet high and it, it'll be like jumping in a pile of leaves at 80 miles an hour. It might actually be kind of fun, but I was just amazed at the winds and, um, power was out at, uh, my kids school all morning. Uh, really so they crazy. were, so not only was it windy, but it was cold. So all the kids had to bring blankets and extra jackets to school. And, uh, it was, if you're in like Wisconsin or Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, it was basically like summertime. So you would have been in shorts oh, and a t-shirt, sorry. but here we were in like double parkas. And yeah, like, yeah, it was
1: cold. It was cold. We didn't know what to do.
0: Wear PJs under your pants. It's so it was like
1: 50, 55 degrees. Yeah. Wind was blowing. Yeah. We were chilly. We didn't know how to handle it.
0: So my uh my space heater in my office was on full blast until it got up to about 75, but uh, yeah, it's been um no, she's okay. I kind of like the kisses. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like how you stop and she's like just inching closer yeah. to your face.
0: My wife's been super busy with school lately, so I don't mind smelling <laughs> yeah, right. and go home with some smooch marks on my cheek. I might get <laughs> busted. Um but yeah, the the wind, the weather. I know uh one of the guys from uh Canadian podcast that I listened to called uh, this this motorcycle life, but if you say it in Canadian, I think it sounds a little different. Like this this motorcycle life or something like that. Um, he, he he apparently he's down here escaping the cold, but he brought some of it with him. And I was just thinking in my head, I wonder if he's like, oh dang, like this isn't that great. But trust me, this is cold for uh, for January and February in, in SoCal. And actually, hey, this is the first um, podcast of February, which just happens to be. I think um. So, huh? Yeah, and it just happens to be uh, Black History Month this week or this month. So uh, every week for the the whole three weeks that they give Black History Month, I'm gonna <laughs> go ahead and uh, I think I might have a little snippet of information um, for the whole month. It's okay. Yeah, I know. I it, kids and dogs love me. I, just, I don't know
1: if it's if it makes me sound better or worse that one of my favorite Speedway riders is black. Um, He's got a cool story But watching him ride I was like This dude's fucking rad Yeah When uh, A city of industry It's been a few years now For a couple years They did this invitational And uh, The first year uh, They flew him out for So basically Like they got the the best bike. So it was sixteen riders, so eight from the US and eight from uh, like just different parts of the world. So like
0: top- like Florida and places <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that we don't consider the US still. <laughs>
1: There's really not many speedway riders outside of California. Right. So uh and like Greg Hancock and Billy Hamill were like US, but um dude there was like um I'm gonna lose the guy's name right now. Uh, I wanna say Chris Harris. I don't know. Australian dude, like a lot of Finn in Denmark.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, there had to be some like Scandinavian, Uh, Norwegian people.
1: Um, And then this dude's, he's from Sweden or Denmark. I think Sweden. And his parents were like in. um,
0: Johan Schwang?
1: No, and I totally lost his name right now too. But uh, so his parents were in Brazil. And. He was like orphaned or something on the side of the road, and they adopted him and took him back, and um, they like speedway, so he got into speedway. Nice, um, but dude, he just one he had like these dreads that were coming out of his helmet.
0: And is this know. Mark Scully you're talking? Mark, <laughs> Mark are you're talking about? And uh, <laughs>
1: it, like just watching him ride, because so industry is a small, small track for what most. Um, like what most world speedway people do. They just couldn't, yeah. like, you'd see these, like, top pros, and they just couldn't really hang. Um, so, like, he was figuring it out. Like, and it was just, it was rad to watch. And well,
0: they couldn't they couldn't hang because it's so short they're used to being able yeah. to have a little bit longer to make a move yeah. or something. Yeah, and they right. just, like,
1: the track was so quick and everything was happening yeah. so fast that they're, like, You know, they just couldn't really, they couldn't grasp being in a corner the whole time.
0: Yeah, you know, when I was watching the X Games too, like that really tripped me out because I was thinking the same thing as like, man, you get you get the whole shot at X Games and the track is so short. Like, yeah, I was kind of bummed that some of the people that I normally like to watch on um, bigger hooligan tracks and stuff were not able to even make a move, and then when they do you got to like commit or else you fall down you yeah know?
1: <laughs> so i was like it was oh, uh so yeah antonio Lindback is his name oh, okay but just like watching Sounds him right out there was just rad because he was like taking this high line around industry and just uh he ended up and he was like getting it to hook up out of the corner like no one else would <laughs> and he ended up crashing pretty hard he uh the bike came out from under him
0: stop that's all right um i'm encouraging he, that behavior
1: he was like going down the back stretch, and it just looped out from under oh, him. Oh man! Like towards the end of the straightaway, just hauling ass,
0: dude. When speedway bikes decide that they're gonna, oh yeah, they, it, they don't want you on them anymore. It's dude, it's And an riders affair. that
1: level, like they ride them on that line yeah. all the time. And again, like for the the guys that weren't from the U.S. to ride that little track, they were all struggling so hard, and he was just like. We just made it work i guess
0: i don't know how you do it because there's not really a seat or more than like an inch and a half of ground clearance but wouldn't that be cool if they did like a speedway tt like <laughs> <laughs> you have to jump at one point
1: if you don't jump you're gonna hit the top of the ramp <laughs> yeah there you go And there's only one foot peg so that's
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what, that's what i was thinking i was like man how would they do this and there's a whole uh th- three millimeters of um suspension actually yeah. those frames would probably bend huh, a <laughs> few yeah they're <laughs> they're, weird, they're so light man. Um. So yeah, we got uh, we got that for this week. Maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, get to talk to him about him, and uh, maybe we'll get him on the show. Um, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, let's do I
1: it. Just call up Sweden. Hey, uh, hey,
0: Johannes Lindberg, the the Brazilian guy. Um, and then we're gonna have a word of the week. We had a word of the week in our intro, but it's not the official word of the week. We're gonna. I'm well, gonna it was
1: kind of coaxed but it, it's gonna make a good soundbite. Yeah, though, for
0: sure. That's for sure. And uh, our Moto scan is going to be Fenders this week. I said this to Wiggins, uh, and I feel like I'm saying it like 14 times now.
1: Maybe, but um, did I already say it on the air? F- no, but I, I know some interesting stuff about
0: yeah. Fenders. Yeah, yeah, me too. And Fenders, Fenders is going to be just like the seats thing. Like somebody's going to have done research on yeah seats on Fender.
1: I've ridden with a guy that invented the plastic one.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I was, I was. I was kind of holding that down for well, later. Well, we
1: can. Yeah, so we'll, we'll hold it. We won't spoil it. Yet. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. Uh, we need
1: to Google it, though. We'll cover it later Yeah, yeah, the yeah.
0: Show. So right off the bat, and I was going to try and actually get him on the show, uh, too, since.
1: That would actually be pretty
0: rad. Yeah, he's pretty. He's, he's kind local of a legend. Yeah, yeah, he is local. So, uh, I'm going to let Wiggins whip out the word of the week this week, and hopefully none of us says it. Oh, you kind of put that one on top to coax me it into was, it. I, it don't, was, I don't know. It was I'm going to dig
1: way down there.
0: I wasn't trying to coax. So it wasn't bent in half like the oh, others. Okay. So I, I tried to bend it real quick. That's what she said. And I I don't have my sound effects. So, every time every time I say it in editing, I'm going to have to go back and do the double tap the kittens. Why do we bring this bag of kittens when you have two dogs here? They <laughs> ate, They ate the whole basket of kittens <laughs> before we even started word of the week, so... The word
1: of the week is creative.
0: Oh God! Well, I don't have my sound affected to the bell yet either. So the word of the week is creative. Did and you I go got-
1: through last week's show? Did we say it last week?
0: Well, it, here's the deal: we didn't say it on last week's show. Did you? No. last Last week's show. That's the other thing. If you've, you know, noticed that there was a missing no Show We totally ruined their show last week. Did it not work? (laughs) It didn't work. We tried a double ender with Nokomoto, and on a double ender, you usually record your audio, they record their audio. that's
1: not sexual, by the way, if anyone's wondering.
0: Yeah, double ender, it could be, but it's uh, not intended to be. (laughs) Yeah, at least not in this case. When we do it with Nokomoto, it's definitely not... And so what happened was not only did I record our audio, but I also recorded their audio because we needed it for our show. So we got some great audio out of it, but unfortunately they got, um, three and a half hours of unusable garbage, just hot shit. Well, that's what happens when you record with us. Uh, That's what I was. Yep. So yeah. So we didn't say the word of the week last week. It it was, it was flat by the way. So I, I didn't take it out of the can I think I should recycle it because we did say the seats were flat by the way but I think we we didn't pull the word of the week until after we um we didn't pull the word of the week until after we had done our seat segment so that's why I didn't even count and then I don't I don't think we said it after that so that word flat will go back in I know who sent this week's word of the week I almost just said it I know who sent in the word blah 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 and I'm pretty sure uh Actually, I'm pretty sure I know who sent it in, and I'm pretty sure he's the jerk bag that also sent in motorcycles and also sent in um, another one. He listens to our show. Here's what we say consistently and (laughs) writes those words down for Word of the Week. (laughs) So yeah, so this week's Word of the Week is official. The word is creative. creative. It's official right now. Ding ding ding. Insert bell sound effect here. (laughs) Speaking of people listening
1: to the show and sending in words of the week, some um, subjects for Wiggins, weekly wiggins, whatever would be nice. That would be nice. Hook hook a boy up with some with some subjects.
0: Yeah. Askwigs at gmail.com. A I G G Z. W-I-J-Double G-Z. I'm gonna put that on a shirt. I'm going to make that a wrap so that you can remember it and send it in. Um, It'd be nice if we had some really, what's another word for uh, like a kind of a cool, different way of doing things that's not normal? Um, You know, like a different way, a different way that we could have people send in. Oh, a link somewhere, like on your Instagram bio or something that had that in there so they know exactly where to send their emails would be kind of cool. Right. Yeah, I mean Wiggins already didn't fall a fall from my first attempt to get him to say the word of the week. <laughs> There's so many knives that have dropped during since we Oh, is that what fell? Yeah. I think we I think I've got it on audio twice falling. Wiggins is sure? like it, yeah, hang on one sec, I'll get it. I'm not missing any.
1: Oh. Oh yeah, that one fell.
0: So Wiggins, if you shook him upside down, <laughs> fourteen <laughs> it's like the little kid with the candy and like the slingshot falling out of his pocket, like eighteen shanks would fall out of Wiggins'. If you shake him upside down, his kid too, by the way, Uh, I bet if you got Wiggins, I just got, I got a personal question. How far could the TSA strip you down before they were unable to find a knife? Would it be, would you have to be totally naked before they found the last one? Pretty much, (laughs) pretty much. Okay.
1: But I don't want to lose any. So I go to the airport without them. Yeah. Well, there you go.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's where you need them though. Um, yeah, so this week we're going to get into a quick Black History um, snippet. Uh, this week's um, Black History Spotlight is going to focus on Bessie Stringfield, partially because um, I don't know. Did you? you, you uh, we, we talked off air. I know. I already know the answer to this. Did you watch the uh, State of the Union this week?
1: Yeah, not really. Yeah,
0: not really. So, if you did, there was a bunch of women um, dressed in white, and this is the hundredth. Uh, anniversary of the women's suffragette movement and uh i thought oh that's cool not only that but it's also the um is it this person's anniversary no nobody it's not the anniversary of this person's anything so i guess that had nothing to do with it except for the fact that like it's a big year for women there's actually going to be a women's centennial ride this year to celebrate that and um, we'll talk about that later in the year because it's going to be coming up this summer. But if you want to get in on that, to me, it's kind of like the where we're for the United States. Um, it's just like celebrating chicks. And uh, our correspondent who was supposed to go to the ride to the warehouse last week, also <laughs> n- not to be found. I've gone searching. I-, I I got a phone call from the place where I think she is. And um, I went up there and uh, the- they're demanding some money to get her get her back. So we're going to have to figure something out. But anyway, uh, our correspondent that would usually go to these female driven shows.
1: I I think I'm just going to keep my money. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) We could not do it. So I didn't get any cool ride to the warehouse stuff. So this week's, um, black history month person is going to be a lady just to celebrate all the cool, uh, female positivity going on this year. How's that? Um, as Bessie Stringfield, have you ever heard of Bessie Stringfield? I haven't. Okay. So Bessie Stringfield, this is a kind of an interesting tale because, uh, I did a bunch of research on it and listen, there's actually like quite a handful of podcasts on her. Um, and it turns out that she has a weird tale and, and everybody knows the, the, um, the gist of it. If you look up on Harley Davidson's website, they have her on there. She's an AMA. The AMA actually has an award named after her. Um, and she's in the AMA Hall of Fame. She's also uh, a legend in Miami. She's a legend across the United States, and she was a big deal because she was born in 1911. Now, here's where the story that's about that's about the the most accurate part that I could tell you of this, because there's lore behind this lady. Here's the here's how one story goes. Here's how our actual autobiography goes. She was born in Jamaica to a black mom and a white dad. They immigrated to Boston, um, and both her parents died from smallpox when she was five and she was adopted by a white lady that was a Catholic. Um, and the lady raised her to be, um, very religious and at age 16, she always had these like weird recurring dreams that at age 16, she had this dream that she was like falling and and formless. And, um, she had this dream that like the, a motorcycle gave her her freedom and like uh helped her just I don't know like transcend to the person she's supposed to be so the lady raised her you know the lady told her hey good girls don't ride motorcycles but she relented when Bessie turned 16 and got her a 1928 Indian scout now she was born in two in 1911 and I didn't do the math to see if at 16-year-old at 16 years old 1928 is the correct year. Let me think about this. I don't know, is that right? That doesn't that math doesn't sound right.
1: Wait, when was she born?
0: 1911. So plus 16 would have been a
1: 27.
0: Yeah. So she got a 1928 scout. Maybe it was maybe they did it how they do it well, now. She was
1: 11, 21,
0: she'd have been 10.
1: So 37 she'd have turned 16.
0: Okay, so I guess that is, I guess that is possible. Yeah. So no, I, yeah. See, my math was there. wrong too, and I, I was. Uh, you got me thinking about. Stuff, I was doing too many when shrooms when I was trying I to. to think. Yeah, yeah. So she got a 1928 scout yeah, 27.
1: We were at the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she got a 28 scout. It must have been a brand new then, um, and started her journey at 16 riding around. Um, in Boston and uh, cruising, doing a whole bunch of rides and stuff. And by the time she turned nineteen, she started um, <clears throat> throwing pennies on a map, and that's how she would decide where she was going to go. She threw a penny on a map, and she would just ride there. And then from there, she'd throw, you know, throw the penny on the map and ride there. And so <clears throat> going, and this is like in the in the twenties, uh, you know, twenty, the thirties actually, I guess, like late twenties, early thirties. And if
1: it landed in the South, was she like, well, that's that's
0: the thing. (laughs) She rode, um, cross country eight times. We'll get to that in a minute, but she rode all over. She was a woman a, and she was black B and it was the 1930s and things were not so hot for people. I mean, the civil war was like, we, we think of world war two now and it's the 75th anniversary. And we just have like all these, um, movies about it. And we like every year, uh, you know there's like a, another either a movie coming out or like a new documentary coming out and all this footage there's so much crazy stuff about world war 2 people are enamored with it and there's so many history buffs that focus specifically on military history around world war 2 right and and like people are barely getting into the vietnam war now they're like still so focused on world war 2 because how it changed the world well the civil war was closer to her <laughs> her uh, being born than uh, I mean, it was only like 40... It was like 50 years from when um, the Civil War ended to what, when she was born, and we're still talking about World War II 75 years later. So, I mean, she was literally... Like, her parents probably were slaves, you know, and it would have been slaves if they had lived in uh, the States when the Civil War was going on instead of Jamaica. So, uh, make a long story short, um, yeah, tensions were high, and she was riding alone around the South, and she was riding all over the United States by herself, and she got, uh, I guess, when she would ride through the South, do the there was uh, Jim Crow laws at the time, yeah. and so the, and there was segregation, so she wasn't allowed to stay at um, motels because they were like white motels only. So she, if she couldn't find any um, black families to stay with, she would just like throw her jacket on her handlebars and like stretch out on the tank. You know how the old old motorcycles are, are kind of like long and flat yeah, in a way yeah. she'd, she'd throw her, out. throw her jacket on the handlebars and lay down the tank and put her butt in the seat and kick her feet up on the back fender and sleep on her bike. Um, and then I guess when she was riding around, this may have been after her, um, cross country trips, but she did get some dude in a pickup truck did like come over and, and ram her into the ditch. And I guess she hit a pole or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, she was run off the road a few times. And then so during World War II, you know, she's riding all around the country doing all these cool things. World War II happens and she was so good at in World War II that that um, she started doing dispatch riding for the army. And they trained her like she was going overseas. Like they made her do um, crazy. She had to go through the whole motorcycle training. She actually volunteered to be a dispatch rider. And when they saw how good she was, she'd basically spent her whole life from 16... pardon me, on a motorcycle, um, that, yeah, she was excellent to say the least. And so they put her through all these tests. They made her build from, from one account that I've heard, they made her build this bridge out of like twigs and rope and ride across a river a couple of times. Like, cause you know, at the, in the 1930s, th- to be honest, like there was like one highway possibly, <laughs> you know, yeah. like route 66 didn't even start getting built until like, I think it was, um, Late 30s, and then after World War II, when they're like, "We need a transport system," Mm -hmm. so most of the roads were dirt up until um, like the 50s. You know what I'm saying? Uh, The 40s and 50s is when the when the highway system really started to kick in and, and roads be built, but. Uh, in the 30s still a lot of stuff was still dirt there may have been a, f- a couple major highways and that's about it Inter- interstate highways but everything else was dirt so she's not uh, riding across country on these crummy early american roads doing all this stuff and so the army was like yeah man you got to k- if there's a washout you got to be able to like cross a river you know if something you, the, you're riding in inclement weather and you got to cross a stream you got to be able to build a bridge out of some sticks. So so she had to go through all this training and she was like super good at it. And um, so she did eight cross country trips during that time and, and went back and forth and back and forth. And right before this, I think to make money when she was 19 until the war started, she used to go around doing um, carnivals. She would ride, like do stunt riding in carnivals because people didn't like a black chick riding across the country on a motorcycle, especially alone. (laughs) And so she would find carnivals and kind of shack up with people that were friendly to her, um, until she could get some money and and like go on. And then after the war, uh, I believe it was right after the war, she moved to Miami to Florida. And this is where she became known as uh, the queen of Miami. Um, and she went down there and just like, there was lots of trouble with the cops. The cops pulled her over every opportunity they got. Um, and so eventually she went down and she talked to the chief of police and she showed him like how to ro- like how she rode a motorcycle and proved to him how good she was and like I guess she was doing like all these like carnival stunts and stuff and like tricks and after that there was like no problems he was like all right we're good <laughs> and so she never got hassled again. Um, she, uh, it's when she lived down there too that she did enter a flat track race and she won and when she went to go collect the money and took off her helmet they're like a chick and they they didn't give her the money (laughs) they're like no way and i think you and i have talked before about like the first woman to run a boston marathon it was like in the 1960s early 60s or late late 60s and they were like
1: trying to throw her out dude the
0: guy that organized the marathon tried to tackle her off the course right and yeah so i mean that's the 60s this chick is like you know this is well before that well before the civil rights all this stuff you know um, and so, yeah, I mean, she's basically riding through the South and, and all that stuff. Like, like you were saying, yeah, if the penny landed in the South, she would go there, but she was just like, she was ready to be hassled and she took it. So when she moved to Florida, she kind of stayed there. She formed, um, a motorcycle club and I forget what they were called, but, um, there's a few, there's a ride now that the AMA, uh, posthumously, um, it, inducted her into the hall of fame and i think she died in like 93 uh, i believe it was and i think in 2000 they inducted her into the hall of fame and then they made the bessie stringfield award because she was such a pioneering person and she had um Ridden back and forth across the country a thousand times um, and done all this as a as a woman back in the times when a black woman shouldn't, you know, wasn't expected to do this, let alone any woman. Um, and so and and I mean, this is she started 10 years after the suffrage movement. So, I mean, women's lib hadn't even happened yet. So it was really crazy. So they're like, we're making the Bessie Stringfield Award so that that's an award you can get. And after her, I don't know when this happened, but after the Indian, I'm, I'm assuming the very next bike she got was a Harley. And through from the thirties until she died in the nineties, she owned 27 Harleys. Um, and she said, Harley Davidson is the only motorcycle in my opinion. And she had six husbands too. But I mean, you know, if you can't stick around in one place, <laughs> if you have to ride back and forth, you the dudes are like, dude, I can't. I don't want to. You know, I want to start a job. I guess she's like, you know what, bro? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll catch you later. So she had six husbands. I think it was the second one that she kept his name, Stringfield. Um, And apparently, her and her first husband tried to have uh, babies, like three babies, and none of them survived, or she had miscarriages or something. So she was like, you know, kids aren't for me. And she said, uh, all of her bikes had to be blue. And so her motto was new and blue. And the only thing I ever get used is a man. So <laughs> I was like, that, that's pretty funny. So you could imagine her lifestyle didn't have her pegged down in one part of the country for too long. And at that time, you know, even, even all the way to the 50s, it's not like people were moving all around crazy like that. She was just a true vagabond. Um, and so, yeah, she died in 1993. Um, this is the crazy part. Um, there's, there's women that do the, the penny, penny ride, I want to call it, or the penny something ride. And I think they organize it out of, um, like Tennessee or Kentucky. And they call it that because she would throw a penny on the map and decide where to go. Uh, that's how she decided. So every year they do like the penny ride. Um, and then one of the podcasts I listened to, I think it was history and color was, um, mentioned Portia Taylor, who is, a uh, you know, she created Black Girls Ride out here. We interviewed her for our IMS episode Mm -hmm. and they were saying how uh, Bessie Stringfield has helped um, inspire women like that to like start women's clubs and women's only clubs and especially Portia with, um, you know, Black Girls Ride to like focus on the still very kind of minority um, niche within like a niche, you know? So um, here's the crazy part. In 2018, the New York Times did a, they do these crazy things where they'll they'll do like a deep dive investigation on kind of unsung American heroes and so they did one on Betsy on Bessie Stringfield and uh, some of this stuff wasn't adding up and so they contacted her biographer and they're like, dude, as a journalist, we can't just, we're not going to publish this stuff. Like some of what we're finding isn't adding up to what you wrote in her biography. So what the hell, you know, what's, what's going on here? And so the biographer admitted, she said, you know what? Like there was such a lore, uh, about her as she wrote around town. Like sometimes the legend is bigger than the person. And so she just wanted to roll with the facts. And she said, as my friend, tell my story as, you know, as my life is known, yeah. like don't, you don't necessarily have to be, don't necessarily be accurate. So they found out that she wasn't actually born in Jamaica to a white dad and a black mom. She was born to two um, black parents in Virginia. She actually has a bunch of family in Virginia still. And the last podcast I listened to, I forget what it was called, but they said that there seems to be some sort of break. Like the the nieces and nephews who are also like now in their like 80s or 90s remember her coming and having a big blowout with the family and they never saw her again. So we don't know what happened. And I think something happened in her early life that she was like, she didn't want that to be part of her history. She wanted her history to be like all the crazy stuff that she did, the carnivals, the stunts, the racing, the cross-country trips. Um, Oh, yeah. And in all this time, her Harleys, going over these bumpy roads and, and, uh, it's so hard for me to imagine going back in time right now with all the interstate freeways that we have and how you can basically, what's the cannonball app? Isn't it like 23 hours or something? Like somebody's driven from coast to coast in under a day, you know what I'm saying? I forget what the cannonball is, but the guy on the motorcycle did it a couple really? years ago. Well, I know in
1: cars, like when they do the cannonball run, it's like, um, one they they haul ass, but yeah. they do like huge fuel tanks in the trunk. Yeah, so they'll like have enough fuel to make it without stopping.
0: Yeah, he had like a GS with like, uh, he had modified the tank. Plus, he had like a one, so that he only stopped like Dude, four I times cross stay, country. I can't stay awake that long. Yeah, like he. So oh, and he had like long. people running interference for him in case there was cops on the freeway. He'd have people like there was. It was a whole ordeal. So they're like
1: they're speeding to get all the. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was like as seriously like Smokey and the Bandit. Like the Bandit's running. Oops, we had a battery blow out there. But um, but yeah, anyway, yeah. So so yeah, the cannonball guy was having his friends run interference like Smokey and the Bandit. But yeah, so she rode across country and now you can do it in like a day or whatever. I think, I, I don't know, it's probably under 20 hours, whatever he did it in. And to imagine her doing it back then on, on a freeway system that didn't exist, you know, it took you days to get across the country because they were dirt roads, you know? And so, yeah, it's it's crazy for me to think about going back and forth eight times on good roads, let alone crummy roads. And if you look at pictures of her from that time, she's got this big fat kidney belt on and I'm sure it's to keep her internal organs in place <laughs> instead of from getting jounced out of her body. But also she broke down a lot and she had to re- she had to repair her bike a lot and she was by herself. So, I mean, she did all that on her own. And the Harley thing, I think she,
1: I mean, she wrote a Harley. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And it was, <laughs> it was in the 40s and 50s. But yeah, she loved him. And after that, she would only write him. And so I think, I think Harley has her um, in their uh, museum as well. And at the 115th, I think there was a huge gathering of, um, Women riders to celebrate Harley's 115th. I think they had like some Bessie Stringfield memorial to, you know, she owned 27 of them through her lifetime, and she died at 80. I want to say 82. Uh, let me see if she was born in <laughs> 11 and she died in 93. I guess we should be able to do that math. Yeah, I think that's about 82. Sounds right. But um, but yeah, she rode her even even up until her death. She rode her motorcycle to church on Sundays even, and uh, so yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy life. Um. Yeah. So next week we'll, 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 pick something. Maybe, uh, if Wiggs has any good ideas or if you have any ideas or anybody that you know of that you want to hear about, um, there are plenty of cool, uh, racers current and past that we could talk about. And lots of people that have done some pretty cool stuff in the chop scene as well. Um, that just, like, yeah, helped man, start bikes back in the day. Is the
1: guy's Sugar Bear?
0: Yeah, Sugar Bear is one of them.
1: I actually have some photos on my phone of Sean from Suicide Machine. We were in Milwaukee for the 115th, and he came out to the track. Yeah. Sean's like, dude, take our photo, take our photo. And I'm like, who is that guy?
0: And he it, built When the, he said
1: Sugar Bear, I knew. He also built all those front ends. Yeah, yeah. And it was, like, it was hard because, like, in the 70s, I mean, a lot of motorcycle clubs still are super racist, but yeah. in the 70s, they were way worse. Yeah, yeah. And him and his buddies were, like, in the chopper scene, yeah, it was horribly I, racist. Yeah. But they were hardcore chopper dudes yeah. and they built their own shit like real chopper dudes. And like
0: the crazy thing too is that like I lived down the street when I was a kid from some angels and they were terribly racist. <laughs> like they're they were crazy racist. But uh Apparently, I was just reading the other day that um, there was some guy that who is still the I don't know the name of him, like the Iron Devils or something. But he was friends with Sonny Barger, and they got they were like got into motorcycling together, and they lived down the street from each other. And he, you know, Sonny started the Angels, and he started the Iron Devils or whatever the Iron yeah uh, Iron crosses or something like that. And yeah, he was like black dude. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird because the angels eventually turned into like kind of a notoriously uh, racist yeah, <laughs> club. But I, I guess used, when, in the early days of chopping, dude, you just chopped with whoever, uh, you know, you,
1: but you find out too, like when you get to know people, it totally changes your outlook. Yeah. And I like a lot of people are from like small parts of the country where they have never seen different. Yeah. I just listened <laughs> to this guy, I want to say Daryl Dixon.
0: Daryl something.
1: He was on Joe Rogan not very long ago. Uh he's a musician. Um, and he's
0: Daryl Dixon is uh, isn't that from Pantera? Why do I think that why am I
1: maybe it was Daryl something and he um <laughs> it'll say in my podcast app. Um Daryl, where's it at?
0: In the meantime, if you were Previously if you if, if you like Daryl from um,
1: Daryl Davis, oh yeah, he's no. an R and B and blues musician. Oh, okay, but he's like for the last like 20 years, he's basically got dudes to quit the KKK. Oh yeah, so he like had this idea of um, like why do people hate me when they don't know me? Like when he was a little kid, and so he like got to know like so he had these like KKK members like come into the bars to watch him play music, and he got to know him. And then he just kind of got in deeper and like started meeting the grand wizards and stuff and all this. And like, <laughs> dude, he's got like – so the first person that like told him they were quitting because they met – because they're just like, look, like, you know, I, I don't know. They were just like we never knew any better, you know. Yeah. And he, you know, he was always like just patient and calm and like became friends with him. Wasn't like – wasn't mad at him for not liking, liking him or liking black people. Like just was like – hey, like, let's hang out until you feel different, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, like, someone was going to quit, and he, like, calls him, and he's like, dude, I'm leaving the the clan or whatever. And uh, he's like, I'm going to burn my uniform. And he's like, can I keep it? So he has, like, this collection of all these people crazy. that have, like, left. And, dude, he knows, like, he also, like, makes it a point now, but he, like, knows the leaders of, like, all these neo-Nazi groups and stuff. And he's like, <laughs> and he goes, I'm not trying to make it's him crazy. quit. Like, he just tries to, like be their friend yeah, 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 and like yeah. be like hey look we're all the same and over time they just kind of come to that on their own right um
0: it reminds me of like if if you go back into history and you, and you know that like attila was beaten by um scipio africanus i forget the 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 roman's name but yeah romans fought these crazy battles that have gone down in history with other cultures and other leaders of other you know um nations yeah and the leaders death i mean if you lost it was death it's not like nowadays where you sign it you know you you like you got killed everybody and so but these leaders when they lost the leaders had like great respect for each other so even though they kind of probably hated each other in the same sort of way i kind of get it you know it kind of makes sense but yeah just seeing somebody for admiring somebody for who they are not just who you think everybody that yeah. That person that rem- looks like is, you so know, good that's kind of interesting. Yeah. On Rogan if yeah. 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 If you have 18 hours to kill. Yeah. And you went, wanna- <laughs> <laughs> right. we're
1: only like three hours long each, but it it pulled me in, man. I just listened to a couple good ones. Yeah, Good. Good on, the on you. Rogan. Job makes the podcast is, better. Is
0: he doing as good as we are? Rogan. You think, I don't know. I think he's
1: number two in the world behind us. Yeah. I think we're leading the way for podcasts for sure.
0: By the way, uh, bringing that up, I it's it's awesome to see how every podcast about a month ago none within within this last month has been like posting all these apps where they're number one. I had to oh, do, really? I, yeah I had to go real deep to find out where creative writing is number one. It's somebody that only has two podcasts on listed on their web, on their blog and creative writing was one.
1: It's us and another one that it, quit. Yeah, like episodes. one
0: that I don't I don't even think the other one exists. I think it was a made up name. But um we're
1: probably second in the country for people who haven't gave up. Yet, yeah behind the <laughs> right. motorcycles and misfits
0: dude, we're not even second in this city dude there's like no other po- motorcycle podcast in this city but it's still yeah, like we're still way still down. Fourth. <laughs> Yeah.
1: we didn't even podium <laughs> right um
0: but yeah uh shout out to all the other podcasts that are number one wherever they're looking um yeah what else oh yeah this week's um this week's moto scan, we're going to do Fenders. And so I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, do you have any news actually by, of what's going on? We should get into some current events, but let's do Fenders Coming first. up
1: tomorrow.
0: Oh, okay. Let's get into current events because oh, I'll look well, them up yeah, while fair you're. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Is the one motorcycle show in Portland, Oregon? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to make it this year. You guys are all here. Oh, this no. Now. But um, if you are. Icon is throwing a huge bash and go to Icon and show them support. Even if you don't wear their stuff, first of all, you should probably have something of theirs because they do make some nice stuff. And yeah. I get it, you know, but if you need rain gear, they're pretty rad. If you need high-vis gear, they're pretty rad. Like, they're the only company really doing rad safety gear. Like, and I'm not talking like leather, like, okay, yeah, black leather jacket, a lot of people do cool stuff, but like, the shit that Everyone says they want. Not me. I don't really care about high-vis gear, but that stuff, they do it, and it's cool. So uh, go support them. Tell Amanda that um, that she's awesome and Icon's awesome, and um, tell her that Wiggins it, always w- says they're awesome.
0: Wiggins says so, yeah. yeah I yeah. forgot that today is already the uh, seventh, man. What the heck? That's... that's it's part of the reason I'm not going. Everything just came up. Yeah. It's already, it's already happening right now. Yeah. Like, as I'm listening to this, the one is happening. It's actually happening tonight. Like, if you're listening to this tonight and you're in Portland, you're yeah. at it. You're probably yeah. at it. Yeah, you
1: are. <laughs> so, Say hi to the Misfits. I think they were.
0: Yeah, up. the Misfits are going there. I think Cleveland Motor is going to be there. And I'm not 100% sure, but Nokomoto might be there. And they might be shit talking us every step of the way since well, we wrecked listen- their last episode.
1: None of them got on the track except creative writing, so they can shit talk all they want.
0: And you just said the word of the week. We're gonna have to hear my phone. Oh the, no! I'm I did pull this kitten out of Stella's Gosh. mouth and double tap him. There uh, we go.
1: Stella's gonna be mad. We took her snack away.
0: <laughs> here, you can have that leg back. You look kind of. You look like an old farmer with that tail hanging out of your mouth, like an old. Uh, but yeah. Um, you know what, we probably said it earlier. Do what in editing, I'll catch us and I'll I'll make sure I go back and <laughs> cut them all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's good. It'll, That'll take we'll way say longer. It, and then what should we
1: replace it with?
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That'll take longer than just we'll change it to misfits
1: and, for everyone. So yeah. it'll like it'll, it'll do that weird sound. It'll be like <laughs> silence and then be like
0: misfits. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> put the, the uh, weird uh, pause so it's not time right either. <laughs>
0: And Miss then you'll fits. you'll just hear like the end of me saying it at the end. Um, the so, Misfits yeah. Writing Show, <laughs> right. and that's going to be our new intro, I think, next week. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? The Flying Fifteen Clubhouse also puts on the number two show, which I think is totally hilarious, uh, and they are going to be but doing that.
1: Technically, from the horse's mouth, he was going to stop at ten. But I guess when Indians signing those fat checks, you do whatever. Is this
0: the eleventh one? Yeah.
1: What, I said boy. it literally after the ninth it was like I'm only doing one more, and then we're going to change well, it. Well,
0: you know, because then it's like it starts getting better or it gets worse. Yeah. Yeah, but if it's don't here open by your year by year,
1: and say that. <laughs> That's
0: all I'm saying. Hey, I said I was never going to do another show, and here we are, two hundred some some odd later. <laughs> um also, what's happening today is if you're down here with me, uh, the round one of the Southern California Flat Track Associati- Association is having a little TT race uh, out at Burton Road at Paris. Um, the and then t-t's. a little t-t- Show me them TTs. <laughs> I, w- I want to jump them TTs. Um, so yeah. And then s- the, the one show goes to the ninth and it's going to be at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum in portlandia and also there's probably going to be parties all over. there's like parties oh, and shows God. that correspond with it right
1: yeah i mean the, the interesting part is i'll never understand harley there's a harley pre-party this week sweet even though right now Harley's, today
0: or was I it think yesterday
1: it was tuesday or thursday okay even though harley sponsored it for the first nine years and then indian came in with more money and the guy that ran it was like, thanks, Indian. Fuck you, Harley. I have zero loyalty. Yeah. But then this year, Harley's sure back, signing checks. Who yeah. cares?
0: Well, that's how sponsorships go, though, actually. Yeah, sometimes.
1: <laughs> you know, <When> they're- sometimes <laughs> being loyal is nice, too, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's uh, yeah, just – maybe true. I'm old-fashioned. I
0: am old fashioned Maybe, I don't know. but when there is But when there is a bill to be paid, uh, whoever's going to throw the money – I
1: can tell you this, and it, maybe I'll put my foot in my mouth in a couple years –
0: Cause I think but, it got bigger last year too, and maybe Harley was like, "Oh, we weren't expecting it to be this much of a growth this year." No,
1: they had a lot of the growth and stuff. They just—that's
0: what she just said.
1: Weird. <laughs> and you know, these people like are just fickle. Like whoever's going to write the biggest check this year, and then they'll crawl back next year. And Harley just, "Oh yeah, we know you shit all over us last year, but we'll sign you a check again." Did
0: they really shit on Harley last year? Kind of. They had like egg Harley, Harley wanted
1: to. You know, Harley sponsored however many years in a row. And then they wanted to sponsor it again, and they were like, "Oh, sorry, Indian decided to give us more money, so we don't care." <laughs> Besides the fact, you know, the last couple of years Harley sponsored it, but at least the race part looked like an Indian event. So I don't know. Like I said, maybe, maybe there was crossover. Maybe and- I'll be eating my words in a couple yeah. years. But when icon checks stop, hopefully gear keeps rolling in. But and if not, I have enough gear to last a long ass time. But like they've been good to me, yeah. And, yeah. and like that, I don't know. I'm the type that. That's always important.
0: Yeah, I know you're you're a loyalty guy. Which loyalty doesn't pay the bill? Doesn't, doesn't pay that the is, uh, that is true. Doesn't that pay the bill it doesn't for your, pay the bills for your. Um, I don't. What's it called? The event venue uh, venue. The, that's the word I was looking the for. Did you play classic? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that either. No
1: one's paying for that.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, that's free. Uh, by the way, that's going to be coming up here too. Um, if you if you're not a hipster or you don't like coffee or you just can't make it to Portland and you're you don't mind cold weather anyway. Um the same dates February 7th through 9th Progressive IMS is happening at the DE Stevens Convention Center in Chicago, Illinois. And uh I'm sure some of the fast boys from Illinois are going to be there uh showcasing some really cool. There ought to be some pretty cool custom stuff coming out of Chicago. That is where Route 66 started too, so if you get done with the show and you get a cool bike and you want to come visit whatever riding this show is called, the blank riding show, um you can head out on Route 66 and meet us out here. I'll meet you. Um, but it, that's total nonsense. I won't won't do that at all. Um, February 8th, the Breast <laughs> Cancer Research Rides happening at Biggs, Harley-Davidson, and San Marcos. Go to biggshd.com for details. February 29th, uh, our very own hooligan... No, no, no. What are you called now? The Waylon Jennings of motorcycles? Oh, the, the Harry Hoosier. That's what you are. The <laughs> Harry Hoosier is throwing the Veggie Plate Classic out at Paris Speedway, Burton Road in Paris, California. And that very same day, if you don't like watching fun stuff and having a good time watching people race, you can go to the California Motorcycle Community, uh, yeah, CMC, which is the California Motorcyclist Community. Um, monthly ride. They're going to be going from highway 74 to Santiago ca- Canyon. And actually that's going to be from 8 AM to 1 PM. They're going to have free barbecue at the end of the ride. It's a non-disclosed location. So you're going to have to look it up on Facebook to find out there's several starting points and they're going to meet at a central point and then do the ride to the barbecue. It Ends at one, so I don't see what's stopping you from then riding out to Paris and from Santiago Academy to Paris is a pretty good ride. It's, it's like actually a two super hours.
1: bitchin' ride. I mean, yeah, you can just hit or take a highway across and then down Bam. the Burton Road, yeah, <laughs>
0: yep, and uh, watch the veggie plate at night. So, when is the veggie plate going to be like five or six?
1: Oh, uh, green flag is probably seven,
0: seven, right? Actually.
1: Right. The it practice. might be six now and we don't do practice. It's a speedway race. Okay, so yeah, it might be a little bit. <laughs> There's ain't no uh,
0: get no ready wimpy for like flat track. Yeah, event. yeah get ready for 24 consies, and then like <laughs> a main event. Um I think you know, aren't the uh, when you go watch Speedway like in Finland and stuff, isn't it like a 24-hour event? Like I swear to god, they do no. qualifying in the semis than the <laughs> Oh they don't really
1: do qualifying. Uh Speedway is a weird um I think the big races are 24. Or maybe just twenty heats. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, six, yeah, yeah. it's sixteen.
0: No, I think twenty-four is right.
1: Yeah, i think twenty. Okay. Heat twenty.
0: And then it does it They call down
1: them a heats, f- but it's not all heats. Yeah. So there's if I'm right, there's sixteen just straight up races with the different four you know, and there's usually sixteen riders. So every rider will do I think it's four heats. And at the end of sixteen, they take a point system and then it goes. Like the, then there's two more, which would be 17 and 18. And then, so it's the top eight do 17 and 18 that usually, and it could be points again, but it's usually the top two in each of those go on to heat 19 and then the top. No, that wouldn't make sense either. I think it's 24. Four four.
0: Yeah, I think it's 24. I have for to double reason.
1: check. For some reason, I want to say 20, but I, I, th- I think I always it's actually, ran support. So we had yeah. heat one, heat two, yeah. main. I main think it- if you made it.
0: Dude, when I was watching Speedway one time, I was like, did they just say heat 240? Like I swear it was, too- I, th- I thought it was in but the 100. But it all 100. goes so
1: fast and it's such short laps <laughs> yeah. and they don't really let them mess around like some of the flat track stuff.
0: Dude, as soon it, as they're it, there, they're on. Dude, yeah. it's
1: such a short show even for yeah. as many events. Yeah. And there's a lot of heats, but it's all the same class. Is that how Veggie part. Plate's
0: going to run too? Pretty quick.
1: Yeah. So usually what we do, so we'll go in between the different rounds of semi, but we usually do two heats in a main.
0: Yeah. So that's pretty so, good, Um and it's all yeah, about that
1: track time, yeah, and and
0: that's a good track to watch Speedway at because it's Killer way bigger track. than industry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's more like the European track. Yeah, so, I mean they are hauling the mail, man. Just, yeah, uh, and, and honestly, we've got I don't know who all is going to be at that one at the end of the month, but we've got some really fast local boys for Speedway. Who and puts it on is the Speedway amazing. out here? Is it SFTA?
0: No, the, uh, the
1: ones at Paris are ran by a guy named Steve Evans. Okay. And that's who, so far, all the veggie p- plates have been with, too. So. Yeah. Or all the SoCal Hooligans events, actually, except the camp out. But.
0: Nice. Okay. So, yeah, do the do the CMC monthly <laughs> ride. Then go see some Veggie Plate Classic. And then yeah. uh, get hooked on...
1: Speedway and Hooligan. Like It Shh. doesn't get much better. And honestly... Speedway pairs better with Hooligan than other flat tracks.
0: Yes, we could call it Spooligan. <laughs> uh, March 7th, the One Man's Junk Sale. I was really excited about this, dude. The One Man's Junk Sale. It's going to be at uh, 28964 Old Town Front Street, Temecula. If you know anything about Temecula, there's tons of bike shows there all year round. It's a super car and bike culture town because it's kind of like an old cowboy town. Uh, and it's, it's like one of those cities that has grown but not lost its old timiness. So a lot of people go there. There's a big Harley dealership there. There's also right next door, a BMW dealership. When I used to ride motorcycles. I there all, Dude, all the I time. I Yeah, it's a destination because once you hit there, then you b- bounce off into Idlewild or you cut across to like Elsinore and Ortega or up.
1: Did you guys, did you guys catch a joke when I used to ride motorcycles? Uh,
0: oh, I didn't, I didn't get that right.
1: Cause I, I kind of don't. Really, you know.
0: <laughs> right, we're kicking you off the show next <laughs> week. I say that, and then you'll be back on. I guess, uh, yeah, loyalty will pay the bills and for so this. Uh, I
1: just don't ride them on the street. Yeah,
0: man.
1: that's a super <clears throat> rad destination from here because it's there's a lot of different ways to get there that are all pretty rad. Yeah, um, and then there's other stuff that's even further that you kind of would stop there for. So mm-hmm. there's some super cool stuff you can go see.
0: Right. So here's the deal. Uh, they're having this thing called the one man. One man's junk is another man's treasure, right? And this sale is no vendors, no, like, retail, no dealers. It's literally all bikes welcome, and it's going to be right in between. It's, like, the service lot between the Harley-Davidson uh, and um, BMW motorcycles oh, of Temecula. Cool. So it's going to be, like, two motorcycle um shop's width of stuff and there's going to be no retail stuff. So you're not going to get people selling you the bandanas and blah, blah. It's oh, just going to nice. be, yeah. it's just going to be legitimate like parts that you might actually want to buy that are, uh, some dude has in his garage and he's trying to unload. So it's going to be one of those. It's not going to be like new wango tango factory stuff. And um, Yeah, so I'm kind of like One man's junk could be Junk's new bike (laughs) So, um, And then March 13th And through 15th Is going to be the Mama Tried at the Eagles uh, Ballroom in Milwaukee, Wisconsin That's going to be pretty awesome Um, And then Brady Walker Has told me that uh, Actually I've seen a couple flyers come out already For the uh, Californian It's going to be back this year And there's going to be Derby at the Derby So I may do Solstice Slam early this year and try to ship out some um, uh, derby car kits to the winners and or to any participants maybe. We'll see how that goes. And, uh, yeah, just get some of those out in the mail and hopefully get one back. Last year's... Uh, no no Nitrous Chris from w- Waukesha, Wisconsin uh, was the overall winner of the Derby. He mailed that sucker in. We put it on the track without graphite lube or anything, and it just smoked everybody that even looked at it. People were looking at it, and their eyeballs were catching on fire. So I was like, woo, this car's going to be a winner. Um, I think I eventually just mailed his trophy and car back to him like, in September or October (laughs) or maybe it was like right November even. I don't, I don't know. I know it was just a couple of few months ago. So he finally, after me gawking at it and like showing it off to everybody, he finally got it back. Um, but yeah, so that's coming up and that's going to be a lot of fun. And if you have any bike, um, any bike, uh, you know, any bike us, those are happening. Let us know, send them in, email us at creative writing podcast at gmail.com or askwigs at gmail.com and just say, hey, there's this cool event going on in my town or a race or whatnot. And uh, we'd like to get some people coming to it or listeners of the show to come out and check it out. And guarantee we'll give you shout out on air and talk all about it. All right. Wigs, are you ready to get into this week's moto scan? Wigs, I think you should be drunk for this one. Let's
1: do it. Yeah. Should I go get some more
0: whiskey? <laughs> nah, you're probably good. Whatever you feel like. You feel like you're going to be uh, good on this one. So I'm good. It's So this week's moto scan well, in that case you got any mushrooms so I can get oh, kind of no. funky with it? Those I don't have. <laughs> Damn it. Um yeah, and uh, if you want to hear about ride to the warehouse, I'm sure there's. I'm sure Girl on a Moto is going to have a podcast about it. Uh, my friend Sarah came up with her group, the Bomb Squad, and went to it. And uh, it was my daughter's birthday. I couldn't go, and um, so I regret. I regret not going. hashtag Don't regret not going. I had one of the best days of my life with my kid, and uh, that's better than going to some um, FOMO event you know where I feel like obligated to go um but no it, it did sound pretty cool and um I'm sure girlana moto is going to have a good wrap up on it on uh, whenever they put out their next episode could be uh, next week could be two months so you just have to stick around and find out and it looked like a pretty fun event but uh, instead of us going, we're gonna do the Moto scan, and this week it is Fenders. Boo 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 boo. And if you hear like some cool music right now, instead of just my voice saying boo boo boo, I won. If you just hear my stupid voice right now, then it means I messed up in editing, and this is the intro music. Boom! Bam! Boo boo bam! Bam! There you go. All right, Wigs, what do you know about Fenders? Besides, you want? Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> don't punch me please that was our intro music um so yeah what do you know about fenders besides uh here's here's what i know they come in all shapes and sizes and they come in all forms of substrates um but there's one thing i didn't know about them and it's they're not they're not totally necessary um and wiggins knows that best because he probably has three bikes out in the uh actually your duck didn't even have a front fender on it huh
1: RC fifty one doesn't anymore yeah. either. It was uh, the one I had was too beat up and um, oh, it cracked pretty bad when I was changing fork seals. Oh dang! And
0: you're supposed to like unbolt it and take it off. That's why you're not supposed to undo uh, the forks. Oh shit!
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see.
0: Well, I was using it to try and pull the fork seal out.
1: I'm not sure if the Buell's got one. The sporty chop that. Jeez, I hope that paint gets done soon. It definitely doesn't have one. Um, and the. The the tracker definitely doesn't have one.
0: Yeah. Do you have any motorcycles with the front with any fenders? Front or a
1: CBX has both kind of. It definitely has a front. The rear. It's weird because a lot of the rears are like the tail. So like RC51 doesn't really have a rear fender, but it's got a tail section. Does it
0: have one of those ones down on the swing arm that goes? Okay. Don't
1: have the little hugger. Yeah. Those used to be cool, but they're not anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of times. Um, so here's what I know about fenders. A lot of, they go on the front and the rear of the motorcycle. Um, in the old days, every motorcycle had one. And in some States, uh, motorcycles are mandated the same as like a truck that's lifted is supposed to have mud flaps or any car that can like be high enough to pitch rocks into another car's windshield, um, has to have mud flaps, a lot, of, a lot of motorcycles have to have, or are supposed to have, fenders. And uh, same with cars. If your car, you can drive an open-wheel car, but it has to have minimal um, fender clearance. And all of that is DOT, at least here in the United States, um, to provide protection of hitting. If you if you ever seen Formula One or seen those rad videos where the dudes are doing the rides of the century, and like in the Formula One case, a car taps another car's wheel, open wheel, Things go sideways quick, and sometimes cars flip upside down, suspensions break off, Uh, especially the higher speed you're going, the more danger that it is. If you've ever seen those videos of the dudes riding in groups with their buddies, and you got the GSXR guy and the guy on the quad, and the quad, uh, they happen to touch their tire to the quad tire, I've seen people, uh, uh, one particular video that I kind of went viral of this quad zipping in front of a guy that was doing a wheelie and the guy hits the rear brake and slams down, but he lands on the quads tire and it just shoots him about 12 feet up in the air. So open, open for, for safety purposes, I'm pretty sure fenders are required on every, um, street legal vehicle. Oh man, did you hear that popping in the microphone just now? That was the dog shocking me. A dog used static electricity to just, um, displace all the vertebrae in my back and, and replace it with ashes. So that was kind of cool. But now I'm just a blob of jelly on the couch talking to you. Um, so yeah, so fenders. <laughs> Let's talk about fenders. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're required by the DOT, uh, at least in the United States. I'm, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen bikes for sale in other countries without fenders. But also, not only are they uh, required by law for, you know, you don't want to hit uh, open wheel to you know, other wheel and go flying, cause an accident that way. They also offer a lot of protection. And basically when the first motorcycles were um, created, they didn't have fenders. And guess who had the brown stripe up their back when they got to work and they looked like a total idiot. It was the the dude on the new motorcycle or who rode bicycles. Um, So a lot of bicycles even... Uh, got fenders because back in the day when that was a popular way to ride or a popular way to commute before cars um, and even after cars when cars are still expensive and horses were impractical, a lot of people went to biking. And if you live in the Netherlands, I'm sure, or Beijing, I'm sure you could tell us all about the fools that don't have... um, uh, fenders that just have like the radical wet stripe up their back as it rains, especially during like typhoon season. So fenders offer uh, protection from the elements, not only for the rider, but also for the components of the vehicle. And if you have ever taken a dirt bike off road into some deep mud and it's air and it's uh, water cooled and you, you've made the mistake. I did this once with my friend and overheated a, a dirt bike by packing the front um, the radiator with mud, uh, because the fender, we had overwhelmed the fender basically with, uh, the debris with, with terra firma or terra squisha. I don't know what the proper word for mud is, but it was terra goopa and it totally clogged up the radiator. So, um, that's the second thing is it does is it protects the, uh, the bike from the elements as well. So the rider doesn't have a Brown stripe up their back or I've seen a chopper riding down the street. Um, this is last winter when it rained really bad. And even though the sun was out, the dude had to ride like hanging off the side of his chop. He looked kind of funny because he had like one of those like German, like Nazi helmets on or like world war one German helmets on. And he was like hanging off the side of his bike. Like he was going around a corner, but he was just going in a straight line. And why? Because he had this crazy chopped, um, old Harley And no fender. Most choppers don't have fenders on the front. And so the water was just spraying up right in his face. And so, yeah, he had to ride sideways. He had like a wet left shoulder, and that was... uh (laughs) <laughs> is is uh, the price to be paid for not having a fender. But um, I've done it before on BMX bikes and just been that dude that gets to school and just has the brown stripe that looks like he had explosive diarrhea up your <laughs> up your back. Sometimes it even goes in your hair. Um, so yeah, fenders, that's what they're good for. And early, early bikes, before you had dirt bikes, before um, actually motocross didn't get popular until like the nineteen like 71, I want to say in the United States, that's when it came over from, uh, Europe and like, uh, they had been doing the ISDE in Europe. I think that's the longest, aside from the Isle of Man, the ISDE is the longest running uh, race series in the world. So people have been doing like, uh, scrambles and, and like what we would call nowadays, like enduro or motocross since m- shortly after motorcycles were first made. And I guarantee you those things had, um, because back in those days, the goggles that you had to wear didn't have, ter- they didn't have offs back then. And so it's always been sort of a thing to protect you from the elements. Um, and then, like I said earlier, it's required by the DOT here in the States so that there's no open wheel contact. I do have to say though, um, Spamla has not had a fender for quite a while. And uh, you know what? I, I'd really, when I would ride down my street, even little pebbles when it was at nighttime and I had a dark visor and I had, Oh shoot, I didn't bring a clear one. You know, who's carrying a spare visor around in their pocket. Um, I'd have to flip open my lid and the little debris that gets kicked up when you're riding at low speeds really sucks. I mean, it sucks at high speed too, but they usually get flung out or the wind hits them out of the way. But at low speed, man, my face just felt like it was getting pelted by, um, Salt, And so they do offer quite a bit of protection that you don't really realize until you need it. Um, yeah, so wigs, uh, PP is a famous guy around here. And up until, uh, up until the seven, no, up until the seventies, no eighties, um, uh, my 79 Elsinore
1: had an aluminum roof or, uh, sorry, a, a plastic. Roof okay.
0: Fender. So I'm going to say up until the seventies, uh, when you used to ride dirt bikes, they were basically, little more than street bikes that had a lot of them. If you look at the old vintage scrambles, they either took the fenders off or they just had metal fenders. And so a lot of old um, vintage dirt bikes had metal fenders. And one of the pioneers of um, the plastic fender, and you can still buy these products today from this company, um, got into plastics and was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own dirt was sick of bending fenders. He was, he was a, a, TT champion and a scrambles champion back when, when motocross was called scrambles here in the States. Um, he was a scrambles and TT champion, Rode a lot of dirt, hair and hounds, stuff like that. Um, back in the fifties and has been competitive ever since I haven't seen him ride, since 2015. So I don't know if he's been active in the last five years or so, but definitely a pioneer of the sport and definitely a legend in his own right. But a very quiet and humble guy. Um, his name is all that we're going to say his name.
1: Preston Petty.
0: Yeah, and if you go to uh, Petty Plastics, it is still a uh, company today. And he he got was like I said, was sick of bending fenders, sick of having to repair them, and thought you know it would just be kind of nice if we had something that kind of bounced back like a plastic. So he got into plastic fenders. I think he started making them out of um. He's a, and by the way, this guy. Is like a crazy mad scientist genius, and I think he just lives out alone in a trailer, like up in the up in the on the other side of the grapevine. Like he lives
1: probably, I yeah. Would be surprised. He
0: lives north of here, like kind of out in the boondocks. But he he got this idea in his head that he was going to make plastics. And if my memory serves me right, which is probably not one hundred percent correct because I'm just I'm literally going off no research here, um, except for what I read about a hundred years ago, is that he started making plastics. And I think he might've cut up a trash can to get like his first design. And then he's like, yeah, okay, this is kind of going to work. This is actually going to be flexible enough that if I fall, it'll bend and it's not going to dent my fender, which could go into your spokes, pop your tire or just get crumpled. And you know, back in those days, if your fender gets smashed onto your wheel, or onto your tire hard enough, you can't bend it back out. You know, you got to like rip it off if you want to keep going. So a plastic one will hit and bounce back. He and he got the idea that he didn't like the stuff out there on the market. And so this guy went and created his own formula and started uh, Petty Plastics. And he is the inventor of the... um, Plastic fender that you have, like all modern dirt bikes have them, you know, and you can thank him. Basically, if you're a ADV or dirt bike guy, you can thank him for, uh, inventing the fender that that is on your bike. And, um, I'm not, you know, even sport bikes nowadays have plastic fenders, but back in the day, everything had a metal fender, you know, uh, the CB750, those things are so bitching because they got that big old chrome uh, metal fender. And I don't know when the first plastic fender started, but I'm going to guess it was like like the 83 ninja or something like that. You think so? Were there 80 sport bikes that had plastic fenders, but
1: VFR had plastic fenders. I only know I was talking to someone about this today like I only know some of the old Honda stuff really um'
0: the ninja what didn't the ninja come on in eighty three or something like that
1: does my cBX have a plastic front fender but mine's an eighty two I'm pretty the seventy nines had a plastic front fender too
0: did they okay well may, maybe maybe they started think yeah pretty
1: sure the front was plastic even on the seventy nine
0: because everything I've ever owned F- and even into the 80s, always had metal fenders. And I mean, you know, nowadays, to be fair, Harley and Honda, anybody that does a cruiser traditionally does it in metal fenders still. So yeah. that doesn't tell you.
1: Harley still has metal fenders on most of their, yeah. their sportsters. Um, so that's
0: not a good indicator of where they started, but sport bikes it, would be, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of depends on the purpose of the fender, you know, and when you yeah. look at a lot of the Harleys and stuff, it's more of a style thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a functional thing, but it's yeah, it's all fancy style and, you know, people don't want plastic on their Harley I guess but what's cool about Preston was like you know really he invented it for the dirt bike which is where we all think that they just always had plastic fenders you know and it's one of the things I like about his story is like we always think like the Japanese were leading the way in those bikes and that technology at the time and really It took an American to invent something for the Japanese. (laughs) It was so practical. It was so practical. Not necessarily Japanese bikes, because I don't know what he was riding. I mean, the European dirt bikes at the time were good too. So yeah, you know, he could have been riding a Triumph Scrambler and doing that. But yeah, you know, I I mean, the early CB 750s would have been '69. Those were steel. Those are steels. Yeah, yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I, I can't know. think of anything pre like so you're saying like you had an Elsinore that was 70 something that 79 I mean, and it had a plastic rear yeah. fender. Cuz I can't even think of like a mid 70s dirt bike that had plastic fenders that I've ridden. I haven't ridden a ton of mid 70s dirt bikes, but my my neighbor had a ton. And yeah, I can't remember if they had or not, but that was like right around the time where motocross they quit calling it scrambles and hare and hound and TT and they started calling it motocross with that the Europeans brought over and they needed um plastic fenders back then they still had steel upper you know they look like the fenders of nowadays they were raised up off the bike but they were still metal and you crash and that thing bends down into your tire you're toast it could cut it or it could just like wedge so hard that you're like trying to bend this metal fender back out and so yeah i mean it was an it revolutionized the sport sort of like a sixth Mm -hmm. gear revolutionized (laughs) you know, driving your motorcycle across the interstate. And, um, he later, he sold that company later, got into, um, computers in the eighties. Like he was just ahead of his time all around. Yeah. He he made the plastic fender way before anybody asked for it. He got into computers way before they were a thing. Like we're talking like, babbage punch card (laughs) epic (laughs) epic was uh took 12 minutes to figure out what four plus four was but he got into computers back then and was like hey dude this is gonna be like the wave of the future and then the last time i saw him he was beating the dick off a 24 year old dude at ivy league races on a zero because he was like you know what he decided that zero had the proper weight and torque well and and talk about Being ahead
1: of your time. The dude was 70 some years old. Yeah, I think he was 72 and he was was kicking ass. The first zero that I had, first, I think it was actually the first zero that I'd seen. Yeah. So zeros were super new. This would have been 2014. Uh It was when we first started moving, I think 2014. So, and he's like already at the track with a zero flat track bike. It was like the
0: FX, like uh, motocross one, and he had modified it. There was a lot of testing
1: and stuff that he was doing for sure, but it's like, One of the oldest dudes in the circuit, kind of on the circuit, whatever, was out there on an electric bike, like, always pushing the curve, even at that age. Yeah. Like, so many people, even now, are just like, oh, that's just not going to work, blah, blah, blah. And I don't think electric for flat track is necessarily the future because it's – you need more, there's more to it than just power and torque. Yeah,
0: but he showed that it would, could work at least for like the hooligan class or just like well, the, you know what I mean? Like it whether was. Whether
1: it worked or not, it's totally beside the point. The dude was 70 some years yeah. old
0: and he's out there on an electric yeah. bike doing
1: flat track. Yeah,
0: I saw him. That's I, totally amazing. I, I saw him a handful of times and the last time I saw him, he was in second. The, another time he actually ate it. Like some, the guy, he yeah. bumped, they bumped in the last corner and he ate it. And I was like, Oh, but then he got up and went right across. And I thought it was cool. Cause his number looked like a zero, but it was a Ohm. Yeah. He you did know? the Ohm sign. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was yeah. like, Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. He's, he's always been way ahead of his time. And I, I've seen some posts from him, so I know he's still doing good. I know he was sick a couple of years ago, but, um, but yeah, he's still out there hanging out in his trailer. And if I, if he, if I can lure him out with some food, we should go talk to him, like put a little can of tuna and like a little jar of tea out there and see if he'll come talk to us about like the halcyon days of racing scrambles back on, uh, I think he raced BSAs. Dude, yeah. I mean, big ass 500 CCs tanks back in the day. Just, <laughs> yeah
1: crazy big bikes that he was out there ripping on.
0: So he invented the plastic fender, but Wiggs has brought up a bike in the past that had a crazy fender, and then the Nokomoto Bros and us were talking a little bit. I don't know how this came up, but we talked about it before. Oh, the fairings. Um, The front fenders, the Honda Elf you remember the front fairing, the front fender on that thing since it had that weird kind of
1: the elf was the single-sided front yeah. weird torsion arm steering yeah. thing. Yeah.
0: It had like a hub center steering and yeah. the fender on that thing kind of came back. Um if you look at a fen- like a fender Actually, on it
1: Actually the uh Honda CB1100 Blackbird because in its mm. day it was mm-hmm. the fastest production bike um cuz it was before the Busa came out. Um the front fender was like aerodynamically yeah. designed yeah. for like you know it did like it only did like 165 or 170 or something i think that was actually before they limited it so maybe they did more at least in the states and then the booza came out and they had to add 300 cc's to beat it 200 sorry it was an 1100 they had to add 200 cc's to beat it and then um the, we decided in the states they should be maxed out at 177 because You know,
0: that was a short lived gentleman's agreement, but yeah, God
1: forbid anyone go 180 mile an hour. (laughs) 175 is cool, yeah. And then I think
0: they upped it to 186, and now I think it's just whatever. Like nowadays, they're just like, yeah, we could, like, the the, uh, The
1: thing the people that want to go over it take it off, like, there's a way to do that, so it's not that big of a deal, yeah. So that's you know, I mean, honestly, at the showroom floor, they should probably be limited to like 120.
0: Well, yeah, all of them. Just they should, goes be, to 120 they should like, be limited oh, to whatever the maximum speed limit is in the fastest state. <laughs> People are gonna kill. Dude, it. we're gonna get some hate mail for that. Um, but yeah, that that's, would make the business of overriding that super good. Yeah, exactly. There you go. We're creating uh, even gray markets here. That. Yeah, yeah. So that's something I wanted to point out. And I was hoping that you would um, chime in because the dustbin fairings too, those things had fenders that basically covered the whole wheel. And if you look at the Ducatis nowadays, the Ducati GP bikes with all the arrow oh, that they do, have on the front wheel and the, like covering the brake and all that stuff. I
1: don't know if the duck GP bike is single sided swing arm, but do you remember a couple of years ago? Um, the I think it was a World Superbike bike they put a carbon disc on the right side of the rear wheel on the Ducati
0: yeah it was sick they, if you look at the new ones the front wheels look like that too like they, they cover the brake disc so that the rotating air doesn't get hit Like well there's
1: a couple reasons for that too they're all running carbon rotors and mm. carbon rotors have to be hot to mm-hmm, work mm-hmm, that's true so um, they, they you know they'll drag them on the warm up lap and stuff to get some heat in them and then those covers help keep the heat yeah. in the brakes
0: otherwise it's just like Squeezing two pieces of wood on a piece of metal and expecting it to stop. Yeah, it doesn't work.
1: <laughs> Carbon's weird stuff like that. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons. So I mean, yeah.
0: So they they're not just metal things that go over tires anymore. There there's like a whole science behind fenders oh, yeah. nowadays. And the legal. I, I the reason I brought up the DOT and the legality of it was I was trying to point out like. There's a little bit more defenders than just like something that covers the wheel. Why do they cover the wheel? And then the sport bike aspect and the racing aspects—they get down to the nitty grit where they're measuring. Yeah, on measuring that stuff, like, it's, it's yeah.
1: aerodynamic because you know even at something a uh, you know as a motorcyclist we consider a GP bike like aerodynamic, but at 200 mile an hour with a human body on it, it's really not. Yeah. So anything they can do to kind of help it out, and the little winglets and stuff, to I don't know what that's really for.
0: <laughs> to keep that it, was getting the front wheeling, end was getting light, right? Yeah, yeah, they were down the straightaways. It keeps them planted, and out of corners they were wheeling, so that the wings would actually push, so that when the bike started help to try and wheelie, it would plant the front end. Yeah. Um, when you go to the salt flats, too, half the bikes that are in a certain class will have these crazy fenders because oh, yeah. they're trying to keep anything that rotates, anything that can interfere with the wind, they're trying to keep it covered. The front fenders go way down. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, uh- but so the way I learned this because a friend of mine did some speed trials. Um, the way that the land speed stuff works, if you have any fairing at all, you have to be in a fairing class. Mm-hmm. So if you put like this little tiny like fairing over the headlight right now you have a fairing now you're in the class with the bikes that are full fairing <laughs> right so you're either all or none yeah so
0: and as we we talked to aaron sills at ims2 and she said her class she's like in the stock um 1000 class you can't modify the motor of the bike at all. And from the side, the the rider has to be visible. You can't be in one of those fairings at all. So like Mm -hmm. the fairings, the rider has to be visible. So she sits on the bike and then they start putting cardboard. So she says like the cutout is so funky it like perfectly matches her how she yeah. they have her sit how she's full tuck and I want to build do, a fairing around that I so always she, wanted
1: to do an XR fifty which now I have a one hundred someone gave me actually shout out to Jasper and Mark. So I have a one hundred Bonneville on it.
0: Dude
1: <laughs> I'm talking like bicycle wheels like a bicycle chain, because it doesn't make any power, right? Mm. And you could actually have like the gears of a bicycle. So there you could you, have oh, like, like 10 like on the rear, speed? dude. Yeah. So you could really kind of fine-tune it. And I want to like lay down. I want to like lay totally flat, have the motor like under my belly. Luckily, like because of my fat belly, like I could have the cylinder <laughs> by my chest and my belly could kind of lay <laughs> over the carb or something. <laughs> right. Um and just, like totally like yeah, behind the, guy, the bicycle wheel. Yeah. I just always thought that'd be super cool. Like yeah, I need one like more a stupid rocket, fucking project. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. But like have a motor that has no horsepower. Wait,
0: this is the guy that said motorcycle plus N is the proper. Mo- <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. But, but project minus N is how many I need.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> There's a difference yeah.
1: between running motorcycles and shit boxes that I have. Uh,
0: that's true. When you get to fender design too, a lot of times nowadays at least uh, as they have you know, there's not a whole lot you can do with fenders. If you Even know-
1: the CBX, um, if you go look at mine, um, so the CBXs were an air-cooled bike, but they were oil-cooled. They had an oil cooler. So if you look at the front fender right behind the forks, there's like a little uh, winglet yeah, type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty sure anyway. I mean, I'm not a Japanese engineer, but I'm pretty sure that was to help kick air up to yeah. the oil cooler. Yeah, because you know, blowing air on the six headers isn't going to do yeah, shit. Right. So if you can take three <laughs> inches of air and kick it to the oil yeah, cooler yeah. though, that's going to help a lot more.
0: Yeah. And some bikes have, um, and, and a lot of bikes sport bikes, a wheelie or something. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe that'll help lift cause the <laughs> slows that it's just like an airplane. In, in it, 1960
1: yeah. or 79
0: though. Um, yeah. A lot of times sport bikes have weird cutouts, and you don't ever know what they're for until you throw them in a wind tunnel, and then you realize they're making a vortice or they're mm-hmm. getting rid of one and, and smooth they look weird like sport bike fenders don't make sense because yeah. they're all-
1: For these huge martinis, and I don't remember most of the night. <laughs> And but then, like but man, I did go to Vegas, dude. The Cosmopolitan, I had a $20 martini, and it was so
0: fucking yeah. good. I've had martinis in Vegas, and was like, okay, I'm done with martinis. But I
1: do dirty, like, I do. I buy the stuff from BevMo that it's just brine. So <laughs> I'm like, and like olives, when I eat all the olives, like I always keep the brine. Because I use it, like, I use a lot of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Amy's mom good.
1: bought me some gin. <laughs> I like the, it.
0: <laughs> yeah, this it's good. good. <laughs> Got that kick.
1: Yeah, I haven't. I've had a little bit of the gentle ones. I've been trying to do some more of that single barrel, but dude, makers is just so easy to go to. And I don't have it way back in the cabinet. Yeah. Cause we have like, there's stuff on top of the fridge. I got to move and then get all the bottles. Out.
0: Yeah. From when I was I like, mean, you're worth it, but still. yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when I was 18, probably to like 22, I think I basically lived off Southern comfort for <laughs> I Every mean, yeah. weekend. <laughs> See, and
1: I did uh, – me and my buddies used to go to Nashville and watch this country music singer named Phil Hummer. Yeah. And he's – the dude's fucking rad. Um, and he, like, he got to know us because we always – like, we went down a few times. And then, like, my buddy Diver, who you made the cigar box uh, guitar for and stuff, like, he um, – he and another buddy went down and like recorded at his studio. Oh, they shit. like recorded an album with him yeah. and stuff. Dude, so I get a phone call one day. I at when I was teaching um, and in TMA. Like, I get a phone call and it's my buddy's phone. I go outside and I answer it, and it's Phil Hummer, and he's like, Hey, man. I was like,
0: Whoa. <laughs> Does he sound like Boomhauer from uh, King of the Hill? No, nah, he's from like
1: Maine originally. I think some of that sound is like a show, but. Yeah. So he
0: sounds like a crab fisherman? Yeah. So, hey, guys, welcome back. Um, <laughs> we never
1: stopped recording. That was the whiskey section. Yes,
0: this is the whiskey So, listen, if you go to... I just realized I put two and two together. I'm a terrible mathematician, as you heard at the beginning of the show, and we couldn't figure out... <laughs> What's funny a is, like, 40 like I'm years actually
1: friend. good at math. I just... Uh, yeah. Sometimes I shut my brain off.
0: Well, and also, we, you've had, like, a couple more whiskeys. Yeah. So, uh, I just put two and two together. Last week, during the Nokomoto show, I had fresh batteries in this baby, in our recorder and yeah. it cut off at an hour and 25 minutes and this thing can go for it's supposed to go for 8 hours you know like and so the battery should be no problem it's not like it's drawing you know Yeah. Um, it just cut off again at the uh, what 25 minutes into this recording yeah. and it just cut off again. I put a fresh battery in uh, granted with the half dead one but it just cut off again and I was like, what the hell? This thing is eating batteries like nobody's business. Now, here's the deal. I had to reach over here and grab it. If you go to Harbor Freight, uh, I don't care if they say I'm bad-mouthing them right now because this is I uh, their batteries. anecdotal. Yeah, I bought a like, 24-pack because it was only like $2. And now I'm finding out why because it only lasts for 25 minutes. So these are the Thunderbolt um. Alkaline double A, you know, 1.5 volt, just regular run-of-the-mill double A batteries, but they're bright green. They're called Thunderbolts, and they're bright green probably because they're toxic biohazard. <laughs> and uh I'm afraid to throw them away in my garbage now. Dude, but- I just
1: saw a meme earlier. Someone is like, if you get some from Amazon, don't pop the bubble wrap because it's Chinese air. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. You get uh, coronavirus.
1: <laughs> Who the fuck names it coronavirus, If I was Corona, I would be suing that fucking that- scientist. Hey- did you see the, uh... Or they should, or if one they're of the, smart, they'd release a new beer and call it the coronavirus.
0: Corona, like, one of the, you're gonna get hooked on cor- corona? No. One of the funny things is that after this spread, people were looking up, can I get coronavirus from drinking corona? It was like, a, like on, uh, our favorite people morning. People
1: were ju- like legitimately looking. Yeah,
0: at- our favorite show I mean, from mean, Same,
1: um, the same people that think chocolate milk comes from brown cow. Yeah, you know it, exactly. It's not called fucking brown cow milk.
0: <laughs> so it's not. That's what I always called it. it. But yeah, so people were like thinking that Corona beer gave you coronavirus. Although Coca
1: Cola did actually come from cocaine when it. Well, started, yeah, no, that's so true. That's true. That. Well,
0: yeah. yeah. Don't don't always not to confuse people. I mean, <laughs> All right? Uh, and meth mouth does come from methamphetamine. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, Speaking of uh, my diver musician buddy um, has a song about that. that Um, Meth mouth? Yeah. Is it called
0: Mama's Got Meth Mouth? It's called
1: um, American Chemist. Oh, sweet. And he says mouth like pegs of wood or something. Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's awesome. And if you look at people from the 15th century, I don't know how people made out. I was thinking about, this is gross to think about, but I was like, how did people make out? I know I've seen pictures from the Kama Sutra and like uh, Roman... How do
1: people clean their teeth? And like, so also we have a dog that like used to like to chew bones.
0: We'll get hey, we'll get back to fenders in a minute. Let us let us let us take this little loophole for a second.
1: But like, what did people do?
0: I'll tell you what. My just what you ate helped keep everything clean, or like no, um actually. From one of my teachers don't in high tell me school. It was that
1: stick thing that got popular six months ago and everyone oh, is in the it, world had did it. Did that
0: get popular six yeah, months ago? Yeah, remember that? It was like no. this little cane thing. Oh, yeah.
1: You could buy it and then so, people were freaking out. This like,
0: is um, my teacher, my photo teacher in um, high school had a, a exchange student from India come over and he's like, This dude had the widest teeth I've ever seen in my life. And I asked him, What do you use on your teeth to get them so bright? And he said, I have this little stick that I chew and uh like in india that's what we do we don't have toothbrushes toothbrushes yeah. we get this tree certain tree and we chew it and the end gets like a brush basically yeah. and you just and there's also it gets like, in there there's better stuff than, in it
1: that that helps too it's probably, not just yeah, yeah, the bristles yeah. but it's yeah it's the yeah, type yeah.
0: of that's what he said it's a type of tree mm-hmm. the sugar gum i don't know what it was but basically you have a 1000 toothpicks cleaning your teeth rather than just bristle scraping back and forth. Now my grandma in Arkansas also died with all of her natural teeth and they were like so good for drinking water that was it from the ground and not from a, um, fluorinated water. Like here in California, they f- put fluoride in the yeah, water yeah, so yeah. your teeth doesn't go bad. Um, uh, and they try to keep it at a certain level so it doesn't, you know, give you fluoridosis cause that'll make your bones brittle. But well, it, uh, um, it make hard spots. My teeth. Oh, really? Before
1: I did. Yeah, too much, too much, but yeah. Yeah. It'll ruin your bones, It was bones one of those, too. like, we had fluoride. I think we had a well, but we had fluoride in it, and then the dentist was like, you need more fluoride, and then toothpaste had fluoride.
0: <laughs> well, and then the dentist then, puts fluoride. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So my teeth were Now he's fucking, like, "Now your teeth are paper. I, I, I look like a smoker when I was 12. <laughs> but right. once you got that outer layer off, which unfortunately hey, was all the wait enamel... Wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: You're from really Terre Haute. Didn't you smoke at 12, though? I mean, to be fair. <laughs> well,
1: to be fair... <laughs> I know. Uh, I, and also, who gets that joke? To be fair... Uh, I don't. Oh, it's a show that I've been watching a lot. Of. Okay.
0: Is it letter Kenny? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that is a pretty funny show. So yeah. Uh, they, um, she used
1: I figured it out the other day. It's just a modern version of Trailer Park Boys, yeah, yeah, pretty
0: much, <laughs> which is a mod, which is a ver- newer version of uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. Some other Canadians yeah, yeah, that that yeah. was yeah. funny.
0: Um, so yeah, my, my great grandma, um, before toothbrushes in Arkansas, used to chew on I forget what type of tree, but she would always have a twig in her mouth and baking soda, and her teeth were just like pearly white, never lost them, never had that like mountain mouth from. Drinking. Yeah, I
1: mean that's a lot of toothbrush, a lot of toothbrushes, a lot of toothpaste has baking soda in it. Uh-huh. Like baking soda and uh, coconut oil, I think is supposed to be like the it's the new hipster thing. It is definitely. So there yeah, was a this thing.
0: little stick going around because that's what people used to use. Was like yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You could buy those sticks now. Whatever right. tree it was. And
0: my thing was, fun I read those. about um in China people had such bad breath that the emperor would make his servants walk around with cloves in their mouths to mask the bad breath. And I was just thinking, how did people make out back then? And how did people like do the other business? You know, like you go down on some. <laughs>
1: well, if some, you if you both have bad breath, does it there you go? Wrong?
0: Yeah, you're like, man, your breath stinks, and she's like, man, you. That's just why they own. don't wear.
1: That's why they don't ride motorcycles because you could smell your own
0: breath. <laughs> They're like, I want to ride in the front.
1: <laughs> yeah. You get my breath. Well, no, not that. Uh, like, put a full-face helmet on.
0: Oh, there you go. And that's why everybody in other countries wears masks. You think it's a coronavirus? It's just a smelly ground. Stanky breath. Yeah, that water over there just rots your teeth. Um, and speaking of rotting your teeth, let's get back to fenders here. We were right in the middle of a great conversation where we were talking about how uh, functional they are. And I think I was just about to say um, that they uh, – Oh, that's what I was gonna say. The art because Wiggins was talking about, you know, the shape of them and how some of them are huge. Art Deco, that is on Indians still, that is a tie you know, the style of the fender and on some Harleys. Most Harleys, the big ones, used to have like bumpers on the front, just as as, uh, within the last decade, had these big bumpers that had like rails, and then they had a fender light, and the back would have the same, and they'd have like little skirts. I think that was
1: like based on the older bikes, though.
0: Yeah, skirts and conchos. Now, Indian came back and was like, yeah, let's embrace this. And I hate the way Indian fenders look on the like Chieftain and the Dark Horse, how they look art deco y and just huge. And I just don't like that style, but it serves the purpose of. Beauty And just looking in a certain way, whereas other bikes, um, like we were saying is pure function. And I'd like to say that there's a, there is a, uh, Dan rides moto on Twitter had post this all the time. And there's been like this thing recently where I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure seats are going to be passe soon, but the rear fender seems to have gone the way of the Dodo in the last five um, or the way of the Koala and the Polar Bear, like they're disappearing at <laughs> <in> alarming numbers. <laughs> um, in the last five years, every custom bike I see is missing or was the rear fender started to get shorter and shorter and shorter, even on cafe racers. They're like, let that back wheel, hang out there in the air a little bit, y'all. And then it got to the point where like even scramblers didn't have back fenders. And now most bikes don't have back fenders and you're seeing the return of the dude going into work with the brown stripe up his back because his cool custom bike doesn't have a rear fender. My beef is that rear fenders are a good place for the license plate to hang out. Uh, Cause you definitely, what's more important, looking cooler, getting caught riding dirty. You know, like I'd rather not get a ticket for looking you cool. can
1: skip the rear fender and still put a license plate on it
0: you know what in a lot of countries like america you can mount your as long as your license plate is visible it can be sideways it can be straight it can be tucked that under it depends it's on good. the state
1: too california has to be horizontal
0: oh really no 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 oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah california, it does it does
1: yeah i don't know about some a lot of states it needs to be horizontal yeah but i know a lot of people that will and it's it's a gray area they'll tuck them like inside the wheel a little yeah you go like up against the sprocket, you can only see like half of it, yep. or maybe above the sprocket and in. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not saying I disagree. It, it does right,
0: have to right, be horizontal, and I I know, um, Harley Davidson can neither
1: conform nor <laughs> you can't conform, and that's why you're gonna get a <laughs> Confirm, ticket for having a
0: non vertical, uh,
1: now, the little sporty chop. It's totally legit,
0: but the uh, and they even have
1: a light pretty close to
0: it, yeah. Pretty close. Yeah, that's and uh, I see, you know, we see it all the time. You see people I just don't have
1: the white light on it. But right. The taillights above it, so it'll light yeah, it up. Yeah,
0: you know, there you go. You and you see it all the time. People doing stuff that's not quite hundred percent legal. Even turn signals. We'll get into those at some point. How oh, that might count those could be. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so the new Harley Davidson's has their uh most of the sportsters have the um tail the license plate out to the side because they're not mounted on the fender. Where in the past, they were all mounted on the fender, the same bracket. You could look yeah, up that bracket. they started bracket. bobbing
1: up the fender more and more and more. Yeah, the that and there you
0: go. You, you don't have anything to stick it on, so you stick it out on the side, and they're still vertical. They're on this, like, swiveling sort of bracket thing out there. But in Canada, you still have to center mount it. It still has to be... Um, so for Harley-Davidson's, uh, 100%, I know the rear fenders um, are different because of the way they mount. And so their taillights and... The uh, signal lamps are different. Harley Davidson's the only one that really cares about that style. So all other, uh, when you're looking at Honda cruisers like the Fury or the Shadow, and you're looking at Yamaha and Suzuki cruisers, they don't care. They still stick everything there in the center anyway. But yeah, the fender is a good place for all that stuff to hang out, and it really adds a style to the bike, um, as well as adding some functionality. And on a lot of sport bikes. Um, you're supposed to have like t- uh, turn signals out there and like a license plate bracket hanging out there, a certain distance <laughs> from a certain height off the road and a certain distance apart. Was the first thing people do? Just like the exhaust, they get a tail tidy and like yeah. screw all that up and find someplace to mount, someplace else to mount. I don't their, hate uh,
1: those new rear fenders though. Like the FTR 1200 came with one and it's nice because it cleans up the tail section mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. much. Um, that you know, the taillight looks good. It's a lot smaller, kind of hidden under the seat. They got rid of all that BS on the fender. And then honestly, and maybe I'm weird, but the one that mounts on the swing arm that goes kind of around like the little bumper fender that they yeah. have to have in Europe. I don't hate that on a lot of bikes. <laughs> it's not perfect everywhere. The but,
0: MT-09 has that, I think, yeah. or the MT-07. One of them has that thing where like, yeah, it comes up and it's Dude, part.
1: It's, a, it's supposed to be like a rear bumper type deal. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: I get it. Right. I get that. How it's that like would a work. like
1: Euro- I don't know. It's yeah. a Euro thing. And
0: it serves as sort of a fender, but it mostly holds your license plate out yeah. there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've seen them with taillights on them and like.
0: Dude, the FC09, that is your friggin' uh, sprocket, your like mm-hmm. belt, your chain tension adjuster too. Like that whole thing slides back with the, with the yeah, adjuster the, bolt. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, the Harley electric FX- LiveWire has one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. FX That's right. has one too.
0: Yeah. The FXDS has that weird fender that comes down. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not part of the rear body. It's like, it's own separate yeah, it's thing. Separate. And yeah. I was like, wow. And it kind of has that sort of rear end.
1: But a lot of it, I mean, you know, companies got, and I totally get it. Companies got tired of making like one bike for Europe and one bike for here. Mm-hmm. And I get it. It makes sense. Like why not make it the same? Especially if you can in it, you know, I'm all for, you know, some stuff being legal, but also trying to look good. Like, and I kind of disagree to a point, but I kind of don't. Like, my old man always thought that, like, at all these custom motorcycle shows that we'd go to, that the bike should have to have working turn signals. And the idea that he had was because then we'd have some really badass turn signals. Yeah. And to a point, he's right. Like, I they were expensive, but I have these ones on the front of my uh, Dyna that like wrap around the fork leg. So they have to be the same diameter as the fork leg. So they only make like 49 and 39 or whatever, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, for the standard Harley sizes, but like you look at my, the front of the bike and you really can't even see them cause they're, you know, they're silver. So they match the trees. You can get them in black. If you have black trees, like they totally blend in, but then it's this little led strip yeah. and they're light as fuck. Yeah. Now they're probably not spread out as far as they should be legally, but eat a dick. They're super bright <laughs> and they look super good and I'm like, dude, they're super cool. Yeah. Like, it's rad how they do it. Aloe Art makes some for the rear of Harleys that mount on the fender struts. So, yeah, again, especially if your bike's black, but if your fender strut's black, um, you can't see it. If your fender strut's chrome, and you get chromans, you can barely see them, dude. They're barely any bigger um Ali art made some rad ones he calls them like the shooters or something or todd cycle and him did it i don't know what all the deal was but anyway they're like literally like if you took a shot glass drill the hole drop the shot glass down in it like it has an led down in the bottom they look super rad yeah and they fit uh sorry drill the hole in like your bag so in a bagger and you can have one on each side two on each side like they look super cool huh. and you can wire them up you know they're dual so they can be break um, or break and turn, and, and it's like, are they 100% legal? No. Yeah. Because they're not amber. They only, like, it's the brake and the turn, but if you wire them upright... You know, and it's it's also cool because it's innovative. It's still pretty legal, yeah. But it still looks super good, and it's custom and it's innovative. Yeah. and like it's good to see that stuff,
0: right? And to keep it on the fender subject, and I think our recorder is probably going to die again here pretty soon. Really, it's already done Those the one. Batteries are pretty fresh,
1: yeah. and they're Duracells. Something's yeah. wrong with that recorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: we're eating, we're eating battery. So much good talk coming in that it can't take it all. But yeah, and I agree with you. To, when people keep stuff legal and to keep it on the fender thing to make tail lamps that mount to the fenders mm-hmm. and turn signals about, to, you would get some pretty sweet stuff if people didn't go wango tango and like blow fenders off completely you know now people yeah. are getting into the thing where they're like I've seen bikes that are literally just a gas tank and a seat my idea is to make a custom bike that's just a gas tank you don't even get a seat you gotta like, <laughs> like the shorter it gets and then eventually you just have no gas tank because well, be I'm a racer free. like I
1: think different I just want a seat <laughs> and then I think of, like, fuel in the frame. Right. Yeah, like... So are uh, you
0: are you a pro fender or no fender? You know what I'm saying? <sighs> you know, it all depends what you're doing. And uh, so a lot of times, Because you've seen like, bikes with care. no fenders that look like crap, right? I mean, you've seen them oh, where it's yeah. like, where'd the fender go on that thing? Yeah, day? like, dude, you need a fender. What happened? Yeah.
1: And like I said, the RC51 is running no fender. And I don't really like sport bikes and no fenders, but it just cracked. So if anyone has an RC51 fender yeah. laying around, let me know. It doesn't <laughs> even have to be black. I don't give a shit.
0: I mean, on a sport bike, doesn't it help f- the... Wind from having to over, you know, overcome oh, a forward rotating. Uh, I'm sure there's some little thing in there. If that's you're Rossi
1: they- and Marquez, probably. <laughs> if you're me, no, it doesn't fucking yeah. matter. <laughs> uh, you know, flat track bikes traditionally don't run front fenders. Yeah. Um. Although I think they make them run them on the 450s now, right? They're they I think well, they're allowed to run the supermoto fenders that are short. Because a full on moto fender looks dumb as hell hanging out there, yeah, but I think yeah. they have to run them on the 450s.
0: I think. Last year, they all had them. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I
1: traditionally like a 450 without a front fender. On the TT, I'd seen them before. It looks ugly. A lot of people ran them on TTs anyway. Already, yeah. But I like that it looks weird and it looks ugly. Like it stands out. I think it looks cool. Yeah, but you know, AFT is all about supposedly trying to get factory support, although they really haven't. So they come up with some weird stuff, but you know.
0: Yeah, you know what? a lot of the stuff that we get with um, that ends up on showrooms and that ends up with weird stuff happening to the bike comes from a lot of like weird stuff like this. Racing rules are incentives to get things and honestly, to happen.
1: Yeah, and honestly on like an FTR 750 on a mile, dude, if someone could pound out a rad fender and mold it out of plastic or something to go on the front over that 19, dude, it could probably add a little bit to mm-hmm. the end of the straightaway, mm-hmm. especially if you're the one leading the draft. You know, there could be something to that. Would it look dumb as hell to have a front fender on a twin?
0: Yeah, but until you know. people started going faster, then they're yeah, like, "Well, wait, I don't." Yeah. Get. And and to go back to my very first issue, where, where it's it's uh required on road bikes, so you don't hit an open wheel to an open wheel or another part and catch it. Yeah, imagine if that quick, you couldn't like block people as easy, or Slam Slam yeah. and Sammy wouldn't get away with the, like, you could still whack someone's yeah handlebars out of the hand if you hit them hard enough but no more I of mean, this tappy getting the front the wheel
1: coolest fenders i ever had were some lowbrow customs aluminum that i put on trusty rusty for the that ice you still have oh, oh I do still
0: have those them. Yeah, big, yeah, yeah, those big those big ones over so, the front
1: yeah what lowbrow has is they have like these rolled aluminum fenders with a brush finish that you buy for custom bikes and you put it where you want it and then you cut it yeah so they're real big they're like 180 degrees and most people aren't going to use that but, uh, so yeah, I hit them up and I got two of them and then I laser cut some mounts in the rear, I had, I put some mounts on the swing arm that are gone, but I used like the fender mounts and the brake mounts on the front, dude, the front went all the way around mm-hmm. almost to the ground. Cause I wanted them to be, cause when you look at ice bikes, like,
0: you don't want any fender, of those spikes. Well, it's
1: not just that the fenders are so extreme. A lot of people take two front fenders and put them together yeah, for yeah, the front. Yeah. Right. And cause yeah, you don't want anyone to get to them and they look like dumb and I wanted them extra, I wanted as far down as I could go and the rear wrapped all the way around like case in point, I did a wheelie on the ice, like not even a big one. Cause I don't really ride wheelies and it bent up the back of the rear fender. <laughs> it hit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But it looks, uh, I've got some photos on my Instagram. If you scroll back a little bit and they look fucking, it looks like ugly but rad at the same time because it is what it is like that's what you do on the ice you need those fenders to protect people and everyone so it looks super cool you don't want to chew up someone's leg yeah yeah
0: the most ridiculous fenders i can think of is going back to OCC that show Oh, God, um, orange yeah. County choppers had some of the most stupid, ridiculous fenders I've ever seen on motorcycles, except for those new motorcycles that look like, they look like a cigar box with just a huge, like 26 or 32 inch oh. front wheel. And they just, I seen one that just had a huge square fender over it. And then the whole bike was covered. I don't I don't know how it was. Uh, the, uh, the bike must've been electric. Are, yeah. Oh they, yeah. They're terrible. They, they, the fenders that you see on custom stuff whether it be the occ style or these new weird ones that are like it's, totally it's covered it's when it you up. have
1: people build custom bikes you don't really ride and mm-hmm. you have people like there's a lot of builders out there that are they're motorcycle people but they're super artistic mm-hmm. um and and a lot of people too don't know when to stop they don't know when enough's enough and, and it's hard for people that are artistic it's hard for a lot of people to know when to stop yeah so people will do like you know, I want something loud that grabs your attention. So you've got to paint it tie dye or these fancy flames yeah. or whatever. And I think it, it's you, hard I, for people. And
0: I think you don't have a, you have a very, um, Picky eye when it comes to artistic stuff, too. on oh yeah, motorcycles. I'm, a, I'm a
1: dick. Uh, it needs to be <laughs> rideable, first of all.
0: That's my point. That my, then, my whole thing is like sometimes I don't care how crazy you go, although, fuck, my bike sucks is around for a reason.
1: Yeah, um, for an awesome reason. I love that one.
0: Uh, I, I do, to me, it does like, have to be I, rideable,
1: and I don't like, I don't like when people do stuff just for show, like the whole. Mad Max bike style that like happened and is probably still happening. I'm not a huge fan. Like people just do stuff where I'm like, oh, cool. You made a fairing out of a street sign, but you left all the weird reflective stuff on it. Like it's not, you didn't just take the aluminum or whatever it's made of. Like, no, you uh, yeah. it like doesn't go with anything. And it's like, you're not a good fabricator. And I'm like, I'm also cool with people making their own stuff, but it's like, so will just bolt on weird random shit and put, like, netting on it to make it all military. But, like, there's no one – like, I like I hate the Mad Max style because you can do whatever you want and just say, oh, yeah, it's a Mad Max bag. <laughs> and I'm like, There are up. some pretty
0: good-looking ones, though, and I I wonder how hard they had to work to make it look like the very little work was put into it. Whereas if you just take random crap yeah. and pile it on, it looks like you just take random crap and pile well, it on. Well, if you
1: take, like – I know the whole, like, uh, that um, – Walking Dead bike, right when they did that like seven fifty, yeah, uh, like those were that was one of those like and people got into that like apocalypse bike thing for a little bit too. And Revival
0: I'm, Customs, see. they did a really good job. Yeah, that on was that, one of though. them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was my point with that one was like they were able to put the big knobbies on it, put the cool little asymmetric headlight, put the dirt bike bars, put the um, bread loaf seat. But then put a little bit of like that um, aluminum grating and stuff to cover things to like make it look good. And they didn't go totally yeah, didn't overboard, go overboard with it. Yeah. So I liked that about it. Like to me, that was good. And one of my um, – like again, one of my – and it, it's weird. Maybe I like the people because I'm around them more. But a couple of my favorite builders is Todd Silicato and then Bronnie from Speed Merchant. And like – both of them are ahead of the of to- ahead of you know everyone else to me um Todd's kind of out of the game lately but um y- you know they're ahead of everyone like no one is really doing what they do and it's like when they when you see him do things people are like oh yeah that's uh, whatever and then it seems like 3 years later down the road but what I like Bronny especially dude he's so good at um keeping shit simple yeah and, and that's, like, his thing, honestly, is, like, how to simplify it, how to get rid of stuff you don't need, but how to make, like, clean lines at the same time.
0: Yeah. And, and
1: I really like that, and so a, many people don't know how to do that.
0: A lot of times, um, custom building, there's there's two ways to go about it, and sometimes simpler is better, and sometimes it takes a lot of work to make it look like it's simple. You yeah. know what I mean? Like well, sometimes and- there's a lot of planning that goes into the most simplified looks where if you were just to strip it down and make it look simple, something would be off. You yeah, know what I'm yeah,
1: saying? yeah. And the people that are good at it are good because it looks simple to most people, but when you start looking at the details, you're like, that's custom. That's custom. That's <laughs> yeah. handmade. And it's like you're looking at these handmade things and you're like, oh they they like that's totally from scratch yeah and it nice looks build. plain <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah not really plain and that's what to me like sets apart some builders like you get these guys that are super meticulous and like both of those guys were really good with uh like wiring yeah um like dude how do you make wiring look clean but keep it you Yeah, know? like a lot of people run it through the frame and that's cool But, um, you know, they were able to not totally get rid of it, not do weird integrated cables.
0: Like keep
1: a throttle housing with throttle cables coming out, but make it look good.
0: There's this company called, um, wrench monkeys from, I want to say it's either the Netherlands or Sweden. I don't know exactly where they're from, but it's one, it's like somewhere over there in uh, Mexico. And, um. They do their bikes look so good when they do them. And it's because, yeah, they're simple like that. They, they, uh, they retain a lot of the stock components. They're just altered just enough to make it functional mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a, you know, a specific sort of way. And they, uh, they simplify it and keep all the same stuff. So if it does break, you don't have to like <laughs> hack open the frame or plumb it through with, you yeah. know, fish it through. And that's yeah. a lot
1: too. Like if someone's going to buy your bike and you're going to ship it somewhere where you don't live, um, you can't be there to fix stuff sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, man, it's so nice, no matter how your bike looks, to be able to go into a shop or a dealership and say, hey, I need a part for such yeah. and such and get it ordered. Like, even <laughs> if it's weird, like, trusty rusty is one of those. Like, if I break a throttle tube, um, now my throttle cables are are barnets and my clutch cables bar barnets. Like, I got to do that. But, like, if I bust a throttle tube or I bust a clutch lever, I go down to a Honda dealer and I'm like, hey, I need a clutch lever off a of whatever CRF 450. You know, and I don't even know the year because they don't really change that much, but they're like, oh, okay, okay here you go. And it bolts on. Like, yeah. and again, that's a race bike. So that's why it got some like moto parts. Um, but it's also simple. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it, some guys are running and I like a lot of his stuff, but that, uh, wompy, like still kicking the machine, like, he makes some super bitching stuff to convert. Um, and some of that like super rad stuff, but at the same time, like yeah, if you break it, you, you got it. Yeah, you, you better hope Wonky's be still around. Yeah, unless you're and willing still to go kicking back. kicking lately,
0: so. <laughs> unless you're willing to go back to stock stuff or like replace it with something from yeah Amazon and China, you know what I didn't do uh, on this episode is do a proper sound check. I know we let um, Wiggins' daughter play with all the controls. Do I sound? I noticed yeah, that I my controls are all norm are different than yours. Oh really? <laughs> so I, I at like, least
1: in my ears, you sound okay. Good.
0: good. I'm, I'm, it's hard to hear yourself and judge what you sound like. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I think we're done with fenders. And, and uh, we've covered just about everything except for what they're made out of, which is whatever you want to make them out of. Um, and, yeah, with that, I think we're going to wrap up. Wigs, do you have anything else you want to say? you have any, like, super significant sign-offs? You said the word of the week, I'm sure. Did we say Yeah, man definitely did I during it ed- i'm gonna, gonna be a busy that, but... boy during editing i'm yeah. gonna have to pull out the shotgun and get a new bag of chips The dogs ate them all yeah, well at least the dog's full yeah
1: um yeah i don't i don't think i have anything crazy but i do want to remind everyone um because right now i'm lacking on ideas so please please send your ideas question comments to askwigs at gmail.com I'm going to – like I expect at least five emails this week because of this, please. Um, I need subjects, whether it's a subject matter, whether it's a question, whether it's a comment that I can feed off of. Um, I want to know your thoughts. I want to know what's going on. Uh, I need help. I need help on subjects. I need help. It's only 15 minutes, but it's like – I mean, you guys listen enough. You know me that – uh I just need a start. Like I need a, I need a, a match, and I'll start the fire. So just to help me out. Just, just get me started.
0: He needs a pile of grass Yeah uh, In the hot California sun And you, you He'll be the match You just throw the pile you of grass there You just be the there. cigarette butt There you we'll, go Yeah
1: We'll light this whole world on fire Yeah We'll be the butt
0: of the jet oh. of that joke um, And with that uh, Take it easy Stay warm I hope you're Riding soon Wherever you are Is it cold? Oh yeah I forget you guys Are in Wisconsin Yeah Yeah You know And Bruce How dare you bring This weather with you From Canada <sighs> dang it's got to be 64 here today that's freezing
1: you know it's funny the winds blow so like this time of year when the winds are blowing we even have a name for the winds because that's the most intimate weather we
0: Yeah. (laughs) They were Santa Anas the other day when all this stuff blew out, right? They were coming from the mountains. I was telling my friend. Oh, and
1: why is there another wind that we have? I just assume all winds, no matter what time of the year, are called the Santa Anas.
0: The brown wind, my friend. the Santa Anitas. Yeah, the Santa Anitas. Yeah, and with that, uh, Santa Anita, baby. Uh, Come out to the California and race a derby car, see us in person, and smell you later. Have a good weekend, and ride safe. I hate saying that, I'd like an idiot. Hey, and if you see some idiot cutting you off, that was me, by the way, on the freeway. Sorry, everybody. All right. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye.